we say we don't earn anyone, but mentally we, we terrorise yeah. the fucking life out of them. Yeah. And I know we did. Yeah. Simply because, you know, that's the nature of the game. You know, if you go in and then you do what we do, there's going to be casualties. Yeah. But we try to minimise their, their effect by not taking any guns or anything. But there's a psychological impact on the people that we've yeah. got. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to say we're white and white yeah. because we're not. You know, we're, we're fucking scumbags mm. because of what we did. Mm. But at the time, I never looked at myself as that. I saw myself as a, as a, as a sort of Robin Hood guy. Yeah. I was robbing from the rich. I was robbing from the banks. And I didn't give a fuck. Quick warning, this episode contains descriptions of violence and abuse and may not be suitable for a younger audience. Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival and the revolutionary Event Crowd, our new online events course. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. This is my 99th episode, and this is probably one of the most epic chats I've ever had. Terry Ellis pulled off one of the most audacious heists the world has ever seen, a robbery that became worldwide news and was known as the Real Ocean's Eleven. He and his team made meticulous plans, wore police disguises, hired tech experts and got away with hundreds of millions of pounds worth of motherboards. It truly was a story out of a Hollywood movie. But Terry was caught whilst on the run and the fallout from that job and his many years in prison is still being felt today. Years of brutality living amongst some of the world's scariest inmates changed his perspective and put him on a path of redemption after a life as a notorious career criminal. This is the eventful life of Mr. Terry Ellis. Terry, welcome to the show, mate. Nice to be here, Dodge. Uh, really looking forward to this one, mate. I've heard loads about you. And let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you first get into that criminal world? I grew up in Camden Town. Um, it's predominantly a, a poor area, but I think, you know, because all the, all the families uh, were poor, you did, I didn't really notice it. Um, I, what I did notice that mostly everything that came into my house came off the back of a lorry. <laughs> we never actually got anything for a shop. Yeah. Um, but my role models growing up were were my mum, yeah. my dad, and 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 all our, their friends. Unfortunately, my dad was uh, was an armed robber. Uh, my mum was a, a prolific uh, shoplifter, and I think that had a, a massive impact on me because I learned to be normal, a normal kid who could play out in the street and then I'd, I'd go with my mum and then, then I'd have to keep an eye on her because she would then switch into into uh, shoplifting mode. So I'd go out. That had a massive impact on me because I always felt a lot of anxiety around it yeah. as a kid. But as, as I got used to it, I then, you know, it then became like second nature to me. I could actually walk into a place and and just switch into in criminal mode. And, I, you know, I, I I could look around, um, looking at looking at people that are shoplifting. I could get them in two seconds, yeah. you know, and I would tell her who they were, and and I'd watch her, and it, mm. and it used to drive me insane mm. because I was I was worried about the fact that uh, she would she would be arrested and I'd be put in care or something like yeah. that. And uh, eventually, that that did happen. Um, well, so you were you were put into care at what age? Uh, 11, 11 years old. Um, I I I um. My mum, you know, but I, I've, I've got um, a brother and two sisters that have never been in trouble with the police, yeah. uh, straight guys. Yeah. But for some reason, uh, my mum sort of singled me out as a young kid. 
And um, she used to um, ask me to come out in the middle of the night. I used to go into warehouses, pass out all the gear. Um, and I think as, as a young kid, I, I, I thought that was normal. You know, yeah. I thought this is how we got our, uh, our stuff. And uh, the money that she earned through that, we had we had good food, we had good clothes, and, and she was really happy. Yeah. So, you know, I knew that if I if I'd done stuff and and got away with it, she would be extremely happy. We would then be fed, clothed, watered, so yeah. to speak. But if I got caught, she would beat the shit out of me. Right, and so okay. did my dad. Um, uh, so, you know. Um, did, so you have, did you have the fear of mum and dad? Yeah, yeah. If, uh, my dad was, um, he, I said he was an armed robber. He was, he was quite a big man, boxer, um, quite vicious. Um, he eventually killed someone. Uh, was going to done a life sentence, so you can see right, uh, okay. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a wasn't a normal. How old were you? Upbringing. How old were you when your dad killed someone? I think I was 16, 17 wow. years old. Did but, he? How did he kill someone? I uh, was on a robbery to shot him. You know, so so he was on a robbery. He was on a robbery. No one's ever ever been pointed out who's the one that shot the guy because unfortunately in this world, yeah, you, know, you know, you don't you don't you don't put the finger on anyone. Yeah. You all take the blame, and that's it unless you're working with the wrong people and uh, that's how they see it. Yeah. So four of them got 18 years recommended and uh, no one ever, no one ever owned the fact that he shot the security guard. Wow. And was, yeah. he, was he doing a bank? They were doing, they were doing post office vans or security vans, security call vans. It was, it was uh, the norm back in the day. Yeah. Well, yeah. In the eighties was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where did, where did you first go into care? Why did you go into care? I, 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 um, was going out in the evenings with my mum, doing a, doing a few warehouses and doing that. Um, I, I think it had a, a quite an impact on me. I, I, uh, growing up, I didn't sleep well. You know, I was, and I, I had dyslexia as a kid, um, so I was really I was really bad at school. I used to get excluded, and I was quite confrontational, argumentative, and and I you know I just felt really embarrassed. Cause I, I I didn't get things like other kids. Yeah. Um, I thought I was just stupid, but unfortunately, it was just I wasn't being given the opportunity to actually express myself in a way that I wanted to. Yeah. They wanted to do it academically. So I, I just didn't grasp it. So I then, I was then looked upon as someone who, who was um, uh, disruptive in class. So so that had a really bad imp impact on my uh, earlier education. And for that, I was suspended and expelled um, by, the, by the time I was nine, 10 years yeah, old. Okay. Uh, and then one day my mum, you know, said, uh, pack some clothes, uh, your social worker's coming down. We're gonna we're gonna go and visit some place for the day. Um and then I, I went with them and uh next thing I do I went into a, a secure unit for kids. I walked in there, three or four guys in there, a couple of women, and they said, look, you know, you're gonna be staying here now for the foreseeable future. And I and I looked wow. at, I looked at my mum and said, what, what do you what do you mean? You know, yeah. the person I love more than anything in the world who I'd done things for, mm. you know, that my other brothers and sisters uh, did and uh, I I I Thought I was a, I thought that sort of gave me an opportunity to actually do what I wanted, yeah. uh, but also, in her eyes, I was this chosen one. Unfortunately, mm. I found myself in this place, and uh, and then she just said, like, "You know, you got to stay," and that's it. And she walked out. So I was I was really upset. Uh, she walked out. My probation uh, uh, social worker said, um, "You have to go and pull your horns in and, and start behaving yourself, and then we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see you coming home soon." And I said, "All right, no problem." Uh, she went, and the next thing I knew, I said, "Listen, I, I don't really want to stay." And this guy just whacked me straight in the face. Bam! Did he? Um, and my legs were taken away from me. I was on the floor. I had four, four or five people on top of me, whacking me, telling me to calm down. You know, so as a young kid, 
I'd never been hit before. Mm. I'd never been punched in the face by a grown up. Um, and that was really, for me, the start of my resentment yeah. towards authority and adults in yeah. general. Yeah. The person I love more than anything in the world had abandoned me. And I never realized at the time, but it had a massive impact uh, going forward. I'm sure. Um, and being brutalized, um, you know, in the care, care system was, uh, was an everyday thing, you know, getting whacked and uh, getting kicked, getting punched. Uh, I think back in them days, they, they thought they could beat you into submission. Mm. But all they did was set up a generation of kids that really were, were like soldiers. We were, you know, we, we learned to bottle all our thoughts and feelings up. And we learned to use violence in a way that got us what we wanted. Mm. Because that's all we knew. We knew that if you beat the shit out of someone, you get exactly what you wanted. Mm. Because this is what grown-ups do. Mm. And unfortunately, when I left care, I then took that mantra into the real world. Yeah. I left um, I left care at 16. I went from... So you were in care for five years? Yeah, I went I went um I went from a place called Langtree Walk in Swiss Cottage, which was a care home. And and then I I then six months later I went into a place called Stanford Ass. Um I don't know if you know um Chris Lambiano. Mm. Yeah, Chris was yeah. in there. Okay. Wasn't in he was in there before me, but okay. we've, we've since spoken about it. But it was one of them places, it was for the worst kids in London. Um I was probably one of a handful of white kids that went there, so predominantly black kids. It was in Shepherd's Bush. And for the minute I walked in there, I was, I was punched in the face. And this was by the inmates, this was by a couple of kids. There was three kids there. Uh, they ran the dorm and they said, look, you know, this is a, if you want to live in this dorm, this is what you got to do. Mm. So I was attacked straight away. That evening, uh, my, my, my sheets were pulled over me. Uh, I was punched, kicked, everything else. There was another couple of kids who were new. One of them was pissed on mm. um, and he was dragged out, dragged in the shower. And, uh, and this went on for a few weeks and I thought, you know, I just landed in hell from mm. a, from a so called loving uh, yeah. a relationship with my mother at home and my family to go into into care. And within six months, I was in this place as like with a den of inequity. Wow. Um, what made you at that point go? I need to get out of here. I, I I was in a swimming pool, and I was there about three or four weeks. And um, I've been going through all this, this this grief on 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 the dorm or the hut we was. There was three or four huts in there, and uh, they have different age groups. And then one of the kids stabbed me in the back. Um, what, literally stabbed, stabbed me? In the back? Yeah, he stabbed me with an afro comb, sharp an afro comb, oh, because yeah. I, cause I refused to give him any anything. Yeah. So, because I, you know, even though I was only, I was only ten years, eleven years old, and mm. I, I, I was still at that mindset. If you want something from me, you better come and so take you're it. A, you're a big man. Yeah, right? I, was, I was a kid then. Yeah, I know, but you were still a big kid for your age back then. I, I, I wasn't at that particular time. Uh, I, I, but I soon realised very quickly that swimming, boxing. Doing weights was 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 yeah. something that I excelled at, and it made me into a, a so-called fucking unit. Yeah, you know, and and I as I got bigger, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I realized that that I think as I as I got as I got older, by the age of like I was seventeen stone, I was built like a shit yeah. ass, you know, and and I could I I was kick doing kickboxing, uh, judo, and and I and I loved it. I loved mm. getting into it. Getting stuck in, um, but it was only through through being in care. I, I, and I said, I, I got stabbed. Um, I got put in a block there. It's, it's a CP, and I spent a month down Stands the block. For? It's, it's a secure unit uh, okay. for young kids, yeah. and and I was put in there, and uh, I spent a month down there away from the other kids. And I realised that you know maybe if I'm disruptive and I start whacking people, because what happened when this guy stabbed me? I took the I took the cane off him. I stabbed him about eight times yeah. in the head, yeah. and and it was claret everywhere in the pot in in the in the swimming pool and everything mm. else. But I learned that the only way I can actually survive in this place is, was to use enough violence to actually push yeah. these fuckers away. Yeah. 
and it worked. Uh, and it worked in such a way that I, I spent a month in a blog and I thought, oh, this is okay. Mm. I, was, I was isolated away from everyone, yeah. but it felt brilliant. You yeah. know? So I realized very quickly that if I wanted to get a room on my own, we've got to do something bad. So mm. every time I wanted to, to do uh, get a bit of peace and quiet. You have to do something bad. I to do something bad. Wow. Yeah. What a scenario. It wasn't a good, uh, no. good place to be. So what was, the, what was the next step for you when you left care? Did you go, right, I need to earn a pound note. I'm going to go and rob. What was your next, what was your next well, move? The, the, next, the next step from now, I, I got assessed to go to a community home. A what um, home? A community home in Wiltshire after six or seven months. They said I was going home and then uh, they'd done all the reports to me and said, look, we, you know, well, you're, you're going to be going home, so blah, blah, blah. And then uh, my, my uh, social worker came up again and said, look, you know, I don't think it's a good idea if he goes back to the same area, yeah. same people and everything else. So fuck all the recommendations. Yeah. I'm, I want him to go 100 miles away from his family and his friends and everyone that he knows. And mm. I want to put him in a home. Mm. So next thing I knew, I was- you know, what, age, what age are you here? I was about, about to just come to 12 then. I, w I went a little bit off the rails when I go to the news. So I ended up stabbing one of the uh, screws or uh, one of the guys that were looking after me. I just went a bit crazy and there was a, there was a fork there next to the table and I stabbed him in, in the... Anyway, uh, next thing I, I spent a bit of time in the block again. And then I came out of there and they put me in a van with two security guards and they took me to a place in Wiltshire. And, and I was expecting like Beirut. I was expecting somewhere that was just kids that were the worst. Yeah. And I and I ran I landed in like you know Shangri-La and it was like yeah. it was like it was like beautiful you know it was a, yeah. it was a farm there was a football pitch uh, there was a beautiful farm with loads of animals there was a beautiful manor house um, there was a as a as a you know fully equipped gym and they said like you know this is your new home yeah and um, I was I was there one night and uh, I, I, one of the girls had run away I think that she was about fourteen. And uh, she came through my window and said, "That's my bed." <laughs> and then she then she jumped in with me. Mm. And then um, I spent I spent uh, about two and a half, three years there. Um, I met a young girl there. I got her pregnant, and and that was it. I got kicked out. How uh, old were you when you got her pregnant? Uh, fourteen, I think, fourteen or fifteen. Wow. And uh, I ended up back in London. Uh, one of the youngest people to to go into a shared accommodation in London because I couldn't go back to my family, and I ended up in Swiss Cottage. And um, I was I was uh, given a letter to sign on, go and sign on, and um, I was with a couple of other guys. And uh, over a, over a period of weeks, I, I was I was working filling up skips. I was earning two bob, mm. and you know, and I, and I was surrounded by wealth. You know, Shep, um, Primrose Hill, Hampstead Heath. Yeah, lovely. You know, is 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 wealth, is cars, is everything. And I wanted a bit of it, and mm. I knew that filling up skips was wasn't gonna wasn't gonna help, and. I say lucky or unlucky for me, the two guys that lived in uh, the flat while I was sharing, uh, they were out every night. They was coming in pissed and different birds every night and I was in my room. Mm. And I, f I finally got to speak to him. And uh, I don't know, I d I've always had this way about me. I can I can talk to everyone. anyone. Mm. And we, we got speaking, they offered me a situation and they were they were prolific armed robbers. Um, and it just so happens that I, I, where I lived in the community home, and I lived, uh, sorry, the first time I went to where they yeah. whacked me the first time, there was a post office there. And I can always remember looking out the window. And I, I saw the guy, the guy come every morning and he and he would pull up in a Volvo. And he used to go in the back door and leave the back door open. And then he used to drive his car around the back after taking all the stuff mm. out of the car. And and I said, you know what, I, I know a post office where I used to live. And, uh, you know, we'd go and have a look at it. And so I said, if you if you want it, have it. And, and my first thought to it was to prove to them that I had the bottle to go mm. and do a post office on my own. Mm. And uh, they they sat in the car 
Um, I took a little, I took a sauna shotgun with me, balaclava. He he uh, done the normal thing. I I was near the bins, and um, he came, pulled up, and then he drove around the corner. I walked in there, and uh, when he came in, I said, you know, "Put your hands up in the air." I was speaking Scottish. Um, put your fucking hands up, and, and he started screaming. He yeah. just started fucking screaming. So yeah. I, I whacked him with the butt of the gun, yeah. and I said, "Listen, I'm not going to fucking hurt you. Yeah. You know, just calm yourself down." Yeah. You know, so I wrapped him up, uh, and, and I sat him on the toilet. And I took the keys off him, and I don't know if you know about time locks. Time locks go off about you know uh, eight forty-five, and they start giving out the gyros about nine o'clock in, in the post services. Yeah. I'm looking through the window, and there's there's about twenty people outside. I've crept around the corner. I've undone the cage. I'm, I'm waiting for the, the time lock to come off, but the people are looking in, and I'm thinking, "Fucking hell!" Um, I thought I'd better just go in early, so I pulled the, the thing off. The alarm's gone off. I've got a big, good, big bag, and as the alarm went off, the door shut, the cage, and uh, my mate has come in uh, from the outside when the alarm's come off to see what's going yeah. on. And uh, I'm in the cage. I've filled up this this uh, this bag full of money, uh, everything I I could get in it, and I and I couldn't open the door because the keys were in the safe. It was one of them things oh, you had no. to lock, you had to get yeah. into outside. Yeah. And I and I and I stood there for a few seconds and I thought, fucking hell. My first job, and I'm gonna get back to next. Yeah. And luckily for me, yeah, I looked across and there's a cage where you put the parcels through. There was a there was a yell lock and I went like that and the and the, and the oh, thing came God. in. And I chucked the bag through to him and dived through with the gun in there. And we walked around the corner and that was my first one. And wow. that was, how, about, uh, how old were you then? I was 16. 16 with a yeah. sawn-off shotgun. Yeah, it's, wow. uh, you know what, it's, 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 it seems it seems crazy when I talk about it now because I've got my own kids. You know, yeah. it seems crazy that a grown person could whack an 11-year-old kid. Uh, I could not imagine my kids uh, being smashed in the face yeah. like a grown adult. Yeah. But it was all normal back in them days. Yeah. And having a shotgun at 16 in the company that I kept was normal. Was the norm. You know, because I, I used to go to the uh, low-profile Les Elites and all these clubs when I was younger. Yeah. It wasn't like we went to a club and we danced around our handbags. Yeah. The clubs I went to back in the day were like Shabin's drinking clubs. Yeah, yeah. And anyone who was a villain from, we'll Sum from Summer's Town, mm. from the Angel, mm. you could walk into a into a, a club, and I, I could mention all the names that I won't, mm. um, but you could buy a shotgun, mm. you could buy a car, mm. you know, you could buy getaway cars, you could do anything. It was geared up back in them days for robberies, long firms, and drugs. Mm. And that was a norm. And, and, you know these guys were all there and they were all networking and it was it was it was like a university of crime mm. um but also it was like going to a hardware store you could buy anything anything you want and, and, I, and I'm, I'm luckily for me or unluckily for me my dad was in that world mm. and so when i knocked on the door to go in these clubs at a very young age they said come, come on, on in, come yeah. and get in yeah. shut the fucking door yeah here's a coke yeah and that was it yeah. and and i was uh I was I was going out every other day doing post services. I'd do two or three in a week. Is that right? I'd do a couple of vans. Um, I've done a couple of banks when I was, when I was younger, and uh, you know I, I thought I was big Charlie Potatoes. I thought this mm. is uh, this is for me. I'm nicking mm. like three or four grand every every other day. Mm. But uh, back then, what's that equivalent now? Forty grand a hit now, or fifty grand a hit? You now? know, I, I went out and bought a car. Yeah. You know, when I was sixteen. Yeah. You know, um, and most people. You know, I think you're nicking twenty three or hundred quid a week back in them days. Yeah. Um, and the next thing I know, I, I went and got a place in Hampstead in a little flat and loads of birds. Mm. And I and I did. I just thought I'd cracked it. I was I had nice clothes and uh, I had a motorbike, I had a car. 
I'd a set of tools that I could I could rely on, and, mm. and I thought I'd cracked it. I'd, I'd gone from going into this little firm to having my own firm. Mm. I've got a group of guys that I trusted. I, I knew these guys, but I didn't trust them. Mm. And then I met my took took a few guys that I knew under my wing, and we went out and smashed it. And then one night I went home and uh, I put the key in the door, and uh, I, I felt all the hackles on my back go up. Yeah. And uh, I just I just instead of putting the key in, I just pushed it door come open and next thing all the doors behind me the shower everywhere old bill come out with, with snub nose revolvers and smashed me over the head kicked me in the bollocks yeah and i hit the floor and and all i kept thinking at that time was you know it was a game until that moment yeah. and all of a sudden the reality of, of being smashed around mm. by grown men again mm. was i thought oh, this, this is this is this is it did you know you were really loose i got i got a brick on the head when i was younger up until then, I used to cry like everybody else. I used to fear like everybody else. And we used to have, have stone fights in, a, in a, an old bus on a bit of waste ground. My brother, eight or nine of my pals. And and for, we were more shitless. We never had uh, phones or PlayStations yeah. then. So we yeah. used to used to go and do things, you know, mm. break into places. Or I used to jump on trains. I can remember jumping on trains and, and going for four or five miles and taking up, you know, the cars used to come through. Yeah. And I, I said, unscroll the, um, the radios. And we say black bags of us. And we used to put them in and drop them down. Yeah. So, you know, it was normal. Every, every opportunity that came along, we was we just went for. Yeah. What happened is um, I got I got pulled in for uh, three or four robberies. And it's like anything, they got to prove it. There was no CCTV back then, right? Nothing there, no. Okay. No. Um, it just it just happens that the guy, the guy who, uh, who we rented the place off, he was a little bit suspicious. You know, a few things happened in the area. He put two and two together. So yeah. these guys are not not uh, not walking straight. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, when I walked in, they they uh, they, went, they bounced on me. Um. And they examined me for I think two or three robberies. Um. But you know, luckily for me, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, what I, did you get? How many years did you I got, get? I got four years. Which which in them days, you know, you're talking as a young kid, first offence. It was it was it wasn't too bad, but it was a standard. Um, How did you feel? That first time when you were in the court and the dock and they went, Terry Ellis, you got four years. Do you know what? It, you know, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I didn't feel nothing. You know, okay. I've, I've been geared from the age of ten yeah. to being in in uh, in the secure units and everything else. So it's like being it's like going home. But saying that, there's a really there's a really crazy feeling when you're in a sweatbox outside a, a prison. You know, it's, it's it's seven seven eight o'clock at night. It's normally pissed down the road. You pull into the exercise yard or the, or the you know, the, and all you can hear is screaming and shouting out the windows. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a, your butterflies are going and you're, think, you're going to a world that you don't know, you yeah. know, there's violence and everything else. Um, I think at that, that one moment in, in, in my criminal career, they would let me go. I don't think I've done anything again. Right, okay. um, but the minute you walk over that threshold, you realize it's not as bad as what it is. You know, your fear is normally worse yeah. than anything that you could actually come across in life. Which, which is uh, why I was pretty what, quite successful and do what I, I did because I used to, I used to think about things so much, robberies all the time, you know, getting into places, and my fear of getting caught. I used to go through every single scenario. So when I actually went on a bit of work, the actual reality was it was quite simple. Yeah. But you know, as it as I got better, as I got bolder, the jobs became easier and they became more sophisticated, I suppose. As I, as I got older, I didn't want to go back in prison. You know, after doing four years in prison with no television, the piss pots, um, seeing people stabbed, oiled, 
you name it. Mm. Oil, do you mean oil? Or you get a jug of oil, you chuck it over someone yeah. in the face. In the, you hear someone screaming yeah. on the landing after they've just been old. Is, is Where a, do they get the oil from? From the, for, you know, you could cook in prison from the, if you, if you go to the kitchens in the prison, yeah. you can get anything. Okay. You get, you get a, bottle of oil, a bag of oil, plate it back, put yeah. in bollocks. Yeah. And you can heat that up. Most of them can't fight. Yeah. Most of them are really insecure. Um, and so what they do is they try to take you out as quick as possible and give you as much pain as they can, normally either from behind yeah. or with a knife or with, with a, a jug of sugar with hot water in it, chuck it in your face. Uh, or your back of your head, mm. and it, you can't get it off. It just sticks there, and and the, and the fucking pain is excruciating. Really? Yeah, and I've heard, I've seen guys pass out from that pain. I've seen guys scream from one end of the land into the yeah. other. How so, did you feel every day with this going on? Were you literally like watching your back every day, or were you gearing up people? You were clocking people who were clocking you. Was it like could you relax in there at all? Do you know what in, in prison is 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 um you know it's a world within a world. It's got its own rules and regulations. If you take drugs, you get involved in a completely different world where you're borrowing money, you're borrowing gear, and everything yeah. else you've got to pay it back. You then come up against violence. Yeah. So you're going to get it. So that's, yeah. if you take drugs, you're going to get in that shit. Yeah. Okay. If you're like me, you don't take drugs or you don't get involved with all that shit, then yeah. you won't get no trouble. Yeah. I know when I went into prison, because like, I was quite big, I was I was asked to get money back and asked to get drugs back of people and asked yeah. to sort things out for them and their problems. Yeah. So yeah, so so I learned very early that, you know, my, through violence I could get what I want. And because yeah. I never got no money sent in. Yeah. I could earn money every week. Yeah. By just by by sorting people out. Yeah. And I learned very, very early. So when you come out of there then, did you go, you know what, I'm going on the straight and narrow? Or did you come out four years later? What did you do? Two years out of the four? Uh yeah, two yeah, just over two years. And at what age when you come out? Um, Roughly about, about 20. 20. Did you come out and go, right, I'm back at it? What was the next step for you? Well, I, met, I, I came out and got married. Um, I started working. What well, straight, straight work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I started working as a, as a plasterer. I'd done a, a plastering course when I was in prison. Uh, so I, I'd done a bit of plastering. Um, How long did that last for before you were back at it again? Not very long. <laughs> well, I, was, I met a girl. Um, and and she was really lovely, and I ended up marrying her. She said she couldn't get pregnant. She was only, she was twenty one as well, and she got pregnant. So we had a, we had a son. And a year later, um, I came home from work, and um, she was in hospital, and she had an, had an abortion. Um, and I couldn't understand. Her. Well, you know, I'd, I'd I'd gone straight. I'd had a kid, and I'd and I'd, and I'd married this bird, and uh, she she'd had an abortion behind the back. And I thought, fuck it, I'm out of here, and I went. So I found myself with with nowhere to live. I had a beautiful place in Hampstead. Then we did. We were making it. We made it our own. We got a lovely place up there. And and uh, and I was I, well, I was working hard. I was earning lots of money doing what I do. And uh, and I walked out there with, with my bag. And uh, I walked round the corner. And believe it or not, I bumped into a girl. And 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 I knew her. And she knew me. And she said, "What's happening?" I said, she thought I was going on holiday. And I said, "No, I'm just I just let my missus." And she said, have you got anywhere to stay? I said, no, she said, you can come stay with me if you want. So I ended up spending the next 12 years with her. Is that right? And I had three girls <laughs> off her. And uh, but in that time, I'd, I'd, um, I'd met a, a guy who was a lot older than me. I think he was, he was about 40 odd. Mm. And he was he was uh, the king of the jump ups. He was a bollock Stevie, his name was, I won't know his second name. He the jump ups, what's the jump ups? Jump ups, it's what happens, you follow vans around and lorries, vans, and when they do deliveries, you unchub them, take everything, chub them back up, or you take the whole thing, you slide hammer them, and you take it. 
Or um, take the whole van itself away? Take the whole van, yeah. the lorry. So, What would you do with the fellow driving? Well, what happens, when he does the delivery, yeah. we then go in and take it. Yeah. So he's doing the delivery when he comes back, it's gone. Okay. Um, if we'd done a sign-up, sign-up, what we'd do, we'd, we'd follow the lorries off the, off the motorway. Um, Whereabouts, around Essex Way? Or no, North, anywhere around London? Or? Uh, normally, on the, I was just coming off the M1. M1, okay. So we'd follow them and, and we'd see them going on their A to Zs and they look lost. So we'd go and we'd, we'd, we'd come past and say, look, you look lost, lost pal. And you go, yeah, well, where, where are you going? Show, show us where he's going. So we go, oh yeah, form straight down now. Yeah. And then what we'd do, we'd send him the wrong way. Yeah. we then go to the place where he's supposed to drop off. And then when he pulls up, we say, where, where the fuck you been? Yeah. We've been, we've been waiting here, we're going to dinner oh, okay. now, And he say, I've, I've got to go and do a load of deliveries. Yeah. And they say, well, all right, look, drop it on the pavement now. Yeah. And then uh, I'll go, Steve, Pete, John, Unload him, and then you'll, you'll unload him onto the street outside the place where he's supposed to be delivering, and then you'd sign him up. That's all it's called. Yeah, sign, okay. up. sign him up, and you go, oh, "Thanks, mate," and then fuck off. <laughs> and then we pull our vans over, and we load up off the street, and then. And what sort of stuff would it be? Computers, uh, wines, beers, uh, you name it. Any, any, anything that went into shops, warehouses, we would take cigarettes. Okay. Mostly cigarettes. So you done. you were you were on this you were on this sort of path that you were earning more and more money. Did it get addictive? Was it the buzz? What did what was it for you? Was it the pound note or was it the yeah, buzz? purely monetary? Okay. I, I, don't, I don't. You know, I've, I've heard this, this saying about buzz. There's, there's a certain there's a certain buzz, I suppose, of, of getting away with things. But mm. I never actually got a buzz out of being a criminal or of doing things. You know, I got um, a lot of fear, yeah. a lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot of trepidation and butterflies most of the time. But yeah. you know, that's that's normal. You know, getting away with things and not hurting people was was, was what I wanted. Yeah. You know, because I've seen a lot of people get killed over the years, shot yeah. on jobs. Yeah. So my my thing was never to uh, to hurt anybody or use any guns. Mm. So I I then I then changed my modus operandi to no violence, no guns. Yeah. Uh, at that early age, yeah. even though when I was sixteen, I was going in with stolen shotguns. Yeah. I realised very early that that wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I don't I don't particularly like seeing people. Uh, afraid, yeah, uh, and inferior, especially life. innocent people, wasn't it? Yeah, you know. So for me, I just, I just wanted to, I wanted to take, I take robbery to the to the next level, or the art of robbery to the next level. And what was that? What was the next level for you to take robbery to? For me, it was about planning. Yeah, it's about you know we had uh, I, I I started buying taxis. I bought a taxi, a black cab. I bought vans, and I put holes in the side of them, and I go and look at bits of work. I look at a, a warehouse. I'd, 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 I'd park up and I'd look through it and, and in the course of a day or a couple of days, I'd see how many people worked there. I'd see who, who was the first person to go there in the morning, who was the key holder, who was the alarm guy, yeah. how many people worked there, what registrations they had, yeah. who was the last person to come out of there at night, who, who turned off the alarms and everything else. So for me, I, I, it became really easy. Instead of just going in there blind, like most people, yeah. going with a shotgun, yeah, I fucking yeah, get on yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah. I then knew who was there, I then knew the best time to hit it, yeah. and and that for me was really that was exciting, yeah. Because I, it's I a game. yeah, I, was, I I knew exactly what to get. So what I do, I'd set the alarm off, and I'd wait for the old bill to come. Where, for example, in, in, in a warehouse. So if okay. I so I went to a warehouse so in in Kings Cross, yeah, because I'm quite a few I've done there now. Yeah, I'd set the <laughs> alarm off, and I'd wait for him to come come down. And with the procedure and the old bill, they're pretty lazy. Yeah, if you set off alarm three times, they won't come out. But the keyholder will. Okay. So the keyholder's got to come out every time, and turn the fucking alarm off, yeah. and, and make sure no one's actually doing it. Yeah. But after three times, the old bill won't won't come in. Okay. Because they just think it's been triggered three times. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. there's something wrong with the yeah. wrong with the alarm. Yeah. yeah. So on the fourth time, you'd come and I'd, I'd wrap him up. 
Wrap him up as in? I'd put him down, wrap him up, and then we'd open Wrap him up, up in what? We'd cuff him up. Okay. We'd ties on his hands. Okay. Just tell him to calm down, sit in the corner, nothing's going to happen to him. Yeah. We'd open up the shutters, bring the lorries in, and empty it out, and then, and then we'd be gone. And would then, you Would you just leave him cuffed up? Yeah, just leave him cuffed up. Don't hurt him? No, no. We, no. You know, it's, 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 there's no need to. We, we were... Big lumps. We were, that, we were big guys, you know. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I, I know lots of uh, robbers and I, and I got a lot of respect for, for him, but we wasn't like the normal oik robber yeah. that just goes in and, and brandishing guns and shit. Yeah. Because it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. You know, I, it was when I was a kid because I didn't know no better. Yeah. But as I got stronger and more knowledgeable about yeah. these things, I realized that the only way to do anything was to actually the plan mm. you just sit there like, you know the good thing was so did you get excited did you get excited when you're in a van watching something for a week for a little hole or something did you get excited going now i know the routine now oh, i know yeah. oh yeah 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 it's, you know for me it was like you know it, it was it was like you know being given a special power yeah you know because I, I'd, I'd see people going in half cocked and they'd be getting 10 years 20 years yeah. and all that and then we'd go in and we'd never get caught we'd never even get screened yeah. Because you know, back in the day, people were more embarrassed by being taken in. Yeah. By by us. Yeah. Then they wouldn't even report it. Yeah. Them. They would just put it down to uh, to an experience. Give me some examples of some robberies you've done that were mega robberies in your eyes. Uh, you know what? You know, I'd, I'd I'd be called and say like someone said like they got fifty key of uh, stuff that's uh, been stolen off them. Like what? Fifty key of Charlie. Yeah. Fifty key of Brown. Fifty key of this. Whatever. Yeah. Ecstasy. Three or five. Worth how much? Roughly, uh, it could be worth millions. Okay, you, know, you look at you know kilo stuff was, you know you could buy it, thirty two. Uh, if you want to go buy it off the street, it's going to cost you a hundred. Yeah, you know whatever, whatever. Underground time. If you're yeah. sending little bits, it's two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, so you know what? So someone says, "Look, I've just lost fifty key." I say, "Who is it?" And then what we would do, we would then go and, and have a look at them. Um, we would then go in here and, and I would put a tracker on their car. We used to have trackers and yeah. that. We'd tracker them, we'd follow them, we'd find out where their slot was and then we would go in and retrieve that gear. On behalf of someone? On behalf of someone. He would then pay us a, either a, a, Cut. A, normally a third. We asked for a okay. third of everything we went for. And and I'd done that for quite a few years. And Did you enjoy that work? I loved it because it was the only job that I ever did is that no one could go to the police. Yeah. And I was going, I was going to villains' places and they'd, they'd nicked off someone else and we just took it back for them. Yeah. Whether it be two or three hundred thousand quid. Yeah. million quid we'd go in there and take it and we would then give it back and then take that and they couldn't go to the old bill just no, so one, no one could go to the old bill yeah nah. but you know we've done it for quite a few years we got um we got our confidence up was um, there a team of you did you have a tight team of mates that you uh, yeah, worked yeah. with yeah i worked with the same guys for years the how the, many the, lads the people i've done four four men four men you plus four others or you no, plus, me three? plus three three okay yeah even though there's five of us on verizon yeah he i knew him from other bits of graft yeah uh, because, you know, normally. You Did you trust them in your life? Uh, yeah, I trust them. Wow. You know, none of the, none of the guys. I've only been out of ten people that done Verizon. Yeah, only two of us have ever been nicked. Yeah, you know, none of them guys have been nicked, and I and I know for a fact that's not one of them guys who put me in the shit. Yeah. I was offered a deal to walk out of there that night. Let's go. Let's go to Verizon. Let's move on to Verizon. This was like the Ocean's Eleven. It was dubbed as the Ocean's Eleven, a hundred million pound heist. Tell me what was going through your mind when you were asked to do that job? Were you asked to do the job or did it, how did it come about? I'll tell you what, in, in the, uh, the London underworld, yeah. there's, there's, there's certain people in it that, that really excel at what they do. Mm. And one of them is a, is a fixer. He's, he's, he's not very well known outside that circle, 
But if he comes to you and says, "Come and have a little meet," you know that that there's 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 yeah. the chance that this is going to be a mega job. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Whether it's whether it's drugs, diamonds, you name it, yeah. he, he he was the guy. And I can remember it was the sixth of December two thousand and seven. He he, uh, he came. He called me and said, "Come and have a meet in Hampstead." I met him up in a, in a cafeteria or caf. Yeah, it's called Polly's up in Amsterdam. And then we went for a walk over and he said, like, I've got I've got a job. And um he said, uh, it's hard because uh, you know, he said it's been looked at a million times that no one could do this job. You know, it's it's impossible. And I went, so why why fucking offered it to me? You know? <laughs> uh he said, because there's been a job done in Chicago in a data facility over there, a level two facility. Um they went through the wall and they've retrieved some stuff over there. Um, they, they also went into a facility, um, an easy net place in London, and stole some stuff out of there. Uh, however, the main bulk of the information and the data is in a place called Verizon in Camden Town or, or King's Cross. Um, there's 120 motherboards in there. Motherboard? What's a motherboard? A motherboard is, say if you've got a motherboard, motherboard is, is depending on, on the price and the quality of it, they're worth probably 120 uh, 150,000, 200,000 quid. They got X amount, 32 chips in them. They can run a, they can run a whole banking system. They can run a whole country really? of these fucking things. Wow. Um, so they, they, they're, 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 they're very well sought after and, uh, and uh, they carry a lot of data. And that okay. data is worth a lot of money to certain people. So this was 2007? 2007. Before the crash? Just before the crash, it was actually. Was yeah. this part of the crash, do you reckon? Um, well, I'll, I'll explain to you. Yeah. Uh, so what he said, he worked for a banking consortium out of Ireland and America, um, and they they want they want you to go into this place and and retrieve this. And I said, well, what, what's the security like? So he said, well, it's 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 hard, but the good thing is there's no guns, there's no one's got any guns, so you'll be all right. Yeah. So so when he he just listed, so it was 24 hour security, uh, rolling security there, overlapping cameras. Uh, so that's thermal and normal cameras, so night or day they can yeah, see. Yeah. They had a 24-hour round-the-clock uh, security there. Yeah. That's 10 security guards all the time. Yeah. Um, they had a private security guard, a security company watching them. Yeah. Um, the main the main entrance in there was a biometric uh, hand scanner and a buzz entry there, which then let you go let let you into. Um, an airlock compartment, which was about as big as a cell, yeah. um, that works on a thermostatic pressure. So what happens is you've got to go into that room, it then thermostatically pressurizes, and then you can't open the one you've just gone in, it opens the other door. Okay. For both, so you have to be pressurized before you can go through. Yeah. Once you go through the other door, you come into a foyer. Um, on one side is, is a biometric uh, door, and, and there's a biometric uh, turnstile. But in front of you, there's a there's a bulletproof glass, and behind it is the uniform guard. He then gives you a card, and you you put it onto the, the turnstile, and you will go through that. And then once you go through the turnstile, you come to a, a secure door, um, which is metal. Uh, and behind that, you've got a CCT camera uh, unit room, and that's got about thirty or forty cameras in there. There's three security guards in there as well, so you've got one on now, three in now, and you've got the main head of security who let me in. Um, Jesus Christ! So just to get to that, you've got to get through all of that. that. And then, and then, once you get onto the second floor where the motherboards were, where the mainframe computer room was, you had an independent security company monitoring that. Mm. So, what we did, we had to 
we had to, first of all, we had to circumnavigate the first bit. How did you get in there? What were, how many how many men were there? What were you wearing? What was the chat? What what was what was the, what, the that first bit to get through the first bit? Uh, well, as I said, I looked at it for, uh, for four weeks. What again for, in a van? I had I, 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 a British Telecom van, and I parked it all around the place. And I I, I realised that I think it was a Thursday. Thursday was the best time to hit it. However, there was three police stations within a mile distance. Um, it backed onto a canal, so there was no way out. There was only one way in, one way out of this gaff. Um, it was all CTs, cameraed up. Um, it had an airlock door. Yeah, that yeah. And I looked at it and looked at it. And I, one of my pals is ex-army. Uh, we both looked at it. We scattered it around there. And you know, we came away from, we realised why the why the London underworld didn't want to touch this gaff. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. You couldn't ram it. Yeah. You couldn't go in there with guns because if you got into the airlock, we called it the airlock is, is no man's land, but it's also, we call it the human trap because lots yeah. of guys have gone into them and, and they get stuck in yeah. and they get the old bill coming yeah. again. So if we get stuck in any of them places, we'd have been fucked. So how many steps did you have to go? What were you wearing? Were you just going as no, a normal no. clobber or? Well, I'll tell you what happened. I, I looked at it for weeks and weeks and weeks and realised that it was impossible. Yeah. And then and then I was I was driving over to West Hampstead and um, I, I saw a guy up on the roof threatening to uh, jump off, but the whole street was was cornered off of old Bill. Yeah, I said to the old Bill, "What's going on?" He said, oh, "There's a guy who's threatening to jump off, uh, commit suicide." And I, and, and that's when it, it, it dawned on oh, me. Okay. I thought, well, you know what? We're not going to be able to do this place unless we we are authentic or yeah. we we do everything spot on. Yeah. It's got to be one of them jobs where everything's got to be spot. Yeah. So I went back and I, I called my guys together. I said, I've, I've got to move. I think we'll smash it. I think it's, it's 100% we'll, we'll walk through this. And and I, and I explained to him how we were going to do it. And I said, well, what we need to do, we need to, we need a, we need a police van. We need a police uh, car. We need all the uniforms. We need handcuffs. But it's got to be spot on. Authenticity is, is the only thing that's going to get us in there to get past all the security. Yeah. If we fuck up, anything we're going to be fucked in. yeah and then to reinforce that we then got a dog we got an alsatian dog yeah. and we're the first people on mainland britain to actually use a dog in a, in a robbery yeah and we got a, a, a dog handler's uh, uniform as well so when we pulled where up did you there, get all the where did you get all these uniforms from where'd you get the van from where'd you get the police car from um they were all they're all proper they're all proper uh, police vans and everything bought from the auctions. You could buy, unfortunately, really? you could buy a police cars and everything from the auctions okay. and else. And also, as I said, the people that I know uh, that can get anything. Yeah, they can, you name it, I can get it. Yeah, you know, there's nothing that you can't think of that can't be got. Yeah. Um, so we had all the we had all the proper the, the uniforms, the flat jackets, and we were we were dressed as a fast response robbery squad. So we knew exactly how they moved because for our year of experience, yeah. the caps, the vests. Yeah. The boots, the, the chains, everything, everything, everything was spot on yeah. from from our side, uh, from the dog handlers and and the vans, all all spot. Because I can remember driving down uh, Holmes uh, Holmes Road, Kentish Town Road, and passing Holmes Road on the way down to the bit of graft, and the, and the old Bill, two of them was on the crossing, and 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 I went ah, and they ah. looked over and they went. <laughs> Did they give us so, a yeah, yeah. nod back? So we knew that we was yeah. on point there because we yeah. drove. Because we had to was once we committed ourselves. We, yeah, we You're was, in. We was all in our gear. We yeah. couldn't get down here and start undoing yeah. it. So we drove down now, but we looked apart everything else, and that's. Uh, and then would you literally knock on the door? Yeah, and we say what? There's someone on the roof. Well, what what did we 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 drove down now? I can remember driving down now. We got the dog in the in the back, and we got we had five IT guys that we had hired. So what we did, we did paid, they know what they yeah, were up to? Yeah, they're, they're, they're criminal IT okay, guys. Okay. So their, their game is is, okay. is, is uh, chip. So what we did, we went and spoke to them. We never told them 
about the job. We never told him where it was. We just told him to be at a certain place on a certain day and we gave him their money up front. Up front, okay. And we said, what we're gonna do, we're gonna go and secure the building and then we're gonna call you across and you need to get 120 mother uh, walls out within one hour. Right. We had one hour in this place. Because what happens in these security uh, buildings is that the security guards go around and they, they click on each, each thing every hour. What, so, the mother ball? Yeah, 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 around the whole building. Yeah, okay. This if you if you if you if you see the documentary or whatever, it's yeah. massive. It's it's um, I think it's size the size of Buckingham Palace. This place. That's I've seen the so building. It's huge. Yeah, massive. Yeah. As we were going down there, we were driving down there. We came down fine, Janelle, and we were just about to pull on it, and the real old bill came behind us, mm. and the sirens went off. Oh no! And then we thought we thought we'd been. It was a ready eye. Yeah. So I said, pull over, pull over to the side, because he, he was coming fast around us. I thought we just ran like ran him off. Yeah. And he came around, and he, he just sped off. Okay. So we we missed. We over, overshot the mark. Now it was one minute to nine and when we was going to hit it because they'd go and do their round. And you got your hour. So we had to drive around again, which took about four or five minutes. And then our, the, the boys were, because we had comms on, yeah. you know, so we were talking to each other. Yeah. And in one way, like I could do all the talking, yeah. everyone listens. And, they, and all I could hear was, was uh, uh, what the fuck's going on? What's the siren? Where's the old bill and all that? And uh, and I and I said, just, just calm down. It's just just a normal blood. Yeah. He's he's, he's moved on. Yeah. So we're gonna go around and we're gonna pull up on it. So we, we went around again and then we we mounted the curb. We drove across the. There's about ninety foot between the front. Yeah. We drove. We covered off our, our entry because there was cars coming past. And then we 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 then put the car behind that. Our IT guys parked across the road, up the road, about two or three hundred yards up the road, yeah. and, they, and they waited there for us to call them. And then I just got everyone got out and I passed on the door. I said police officers. Uh, they all came to the, uh, the main head of security and, and uh, he's, he's the second in the command came. I said, there's someone up on the roof. And I said, let us in, we need to go and check the building. And uh, he was a bit hesitant at first and he, and he buzzed me through. So he was a big, big black guy, about six foot three, six yeah. foot four he was. And uh, I, walked, I walked through um, and my other guy came in and the other guy came in we got in the airlock and then we, it opened the other one and then we got into the secure foyer and then I got the biometric card off the guy went through there and then the head of security was on the other side but there was a blind spot yeah so what I said to him look we've got someone on the roof he's dressed as a security guard uh, has any of your guys been up there and he said well none of our guys have been up there. you can't get on the roof from the inside so I said all right for my protection and my officer protection I'm gonna cuff you and all these guys in until I find out who, who, who's been up there okay. so I cuffed him put him on the stairs and then I went through the metal doors and then all this, the three security guards that were inside uh, the CCT suite, they was all looking up and, and, uh, and I said, right, there's someone on the roof, nothing to worry about because uh, they've all got panic buttons, these guys, yeah, so okay. by their right side. Yeah. So panic button on each one. But I said, he's dressed as a security guard. Uh, so we don't know who, is, is, he, is he in the building? Is he infiltrated one of you guys or whatever? So for my protection, my officer protection, we're going to come in here now. But I want all you guys to stand up, and until we find out who you are, I'm going to handcuff you all. And they they all looked at each other, and they all stood up, boff, and then we got them. So we took wow. them out, and then on the CCT cameras, we we saw the other five security guards walking around the gap. So we all did. We got one of the other guys to say, "Look, do me a favor, radio these guys on the on the first floor, second floor, and and tell them to go to the lift." And come down. We want, we need to speak to them. Yeah. So next thing, three of them came down the lift. We had the dog there. And then they go come out and said, look, we got to cuff you or two. We find out who you are. So we cuffed them all. Cuffed them. Everyone got cuffed from behind. Yeah. No one got cuffed in front. Yeah. So you, cause that, that way you can hit someone if you get cuffed in front. Yeah. yeah. So we took them all in, put them in the stairwell. And then what I did, I, went, I, got, I jumped in the lift. Uh, we went up to the top floor and then I went one way. 
my other pal went the other way and we claimed the other two guys, the other two security guards. Uh, we took them downstairs and then we went and claimed all the IT guys there, I think it was two or three of them and there's a few cleaners. Took all them down and said, look, nothing's gonna happen to none of you. There's, a, there's an intruder in the building, uh, but we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to cuff everyone in until we find out who you are. We're gonna leave our guy who's got a dog, mm. he's gonna protect you all and uh, while we do a sweep in the building. Yeah. So we left them in now. Then, and then what happened then, I asked one of my guys to go to the mainframe uh, computer. Yeah. He then disconnected uh, the CCT units uh, to the floor that we wanted. And he took, he, took, he, uh, he whipped that out and next thing the phone's gone off. It's a security company monitoring that room. And they right. said, what's, what's going on? All the cameras are going down. And I said, it's, it's, not, it's not a problem. I said, we've had a, a surge in the mainframe computer system. Uh, all our tech guys are on it. We should be up and running 10, 15, half hour max. And yeah. we should be, uh, we should be uh, up and running and all your cameras will be back on. And he went, boff. Okay, no problem. Boom. And, off, and I went, boom, let's go. So we called the guys in. We had How many men was there in total? So we had, there's five of us. Yeah. And then five IT getting yeah. the motherboards. Five guys and the other five came in. Yeah. They then, we then took them to the, uh, to the room. Uh, we use the biometric cards to get in because every every door you go through is a biometric, yeah. biometric, biometric, fucking millions of them. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and the one thing I noticed more than anything else about this gap, it was white. You know, it's pure white. It's so clean. It yeah. has to be like dust free in that. Yeah. And they got all these, vent, these air conditioning yeah. going. So we took him to the room. Um, uh, my mate uh, who got caught with me, he took them uh, and he, he, he monitored their progress. I then put one of my guys on the main desk. And the others, I, I, I put looking after the people. And what I did, because when this guy phoned up, my only thing about the whole job was about worrying about this one fucking geezer at the end of that phone. Yeah. Because he was the only thing I couldn't account for. Yeah, okay. was, was the fact that, he could, know, trigger, he could, he could have gone, anything, yeah. okay, no problem. Yeah. And then press the button, yeah. there's something going on there. Yeah. So I knew, we had, I knew we had an hour. We were six minutes behind. The guy guys had come in, uh, the IT guys came in, and they was all dressed in black, believe it or not. And I actually did smile. Because I'd never met them up until that moment. Is that right? I'd spoken to them before, on, yeah. and then, but I never knew what they were wearing. But they'd fucking all dressed in black. Yeah. So when they all came across, they looked like fucking ninjas. Yeah. But they all went in and they went upstairs. We had twenty laund twenty laundry bags, uh, bags we took with us. So I, I could see on the monitor every time they filled up two bags, they brought them out to the hallway. Yeah. So I could I could have some idea of what how many how long it's yeah. going to be, and I was on the, on the on the the comms. And then all of a sudden, my, my guy was downstairs and he said, there's two guys coming to the main entrance. And they're big cunties. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he said, they're lumps. I said, just, just, just let them in. Just buzz them in. They come to the, they come to the thing. He's on the, he's on the reception. As they come in, he, he walked into the back and then they came through. And then they came to the lift. Now, we had 16 pair of cuffs on us and tires. Yeah. And we'd run out. I never accounted for these two two guys coming about out of the blue. Yeah. But we knew they were IT guys because they had bags for them. They wouldn't have just been old Bill. Yeah. But I never told anybody else. I just let them keep running, kept, yeah. kept moving with the job because I didn't want them to fuck it, to Panic. freak out. Yeah. So what I did, I waited by the lift and I thought if they come to the lift, I'm going to have to weigh them both in yeah. and, and try and try and uh, subdue them. Yeah. And luckily for me, they they, they came to my floor but when they went up. And I, and then I said to my guy, just, just keep an eye on them on the camera. And, and see where they go. He said they go into one of the rooms. I said, keep money in that room. Uh, so you stay on the reception. He was there. And what I did, I looked out the street to see if it was, uh, if they'd plotted up on us. Mm. And, and after 40 minutes, nothing. 15 minutes, nothing. And I thought this is going really well. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, was, I was all the, you know, when I said to you about the process of, of doing a job. Yeah. 
for four weeks I'd been for every scenario. The old Bill turning up, yeah. it being a ready eye, we come out and being shot. Yeah. Um, the old Bill waiting for us when we gone in there and all going Pete Tong. And, and I'd been through that, that mental torture for yeah. weeks. And because I'm, I was the leader of our little firm, yeah. I couldn't show that. So I, I had to maintain that. Yeah. You know, I learned that through being in prison, yeah. after bottling everything up yeah. and you know, just being normal. Yeah. And um, you weren't carrying any arms? You weren't carrying anything no, no, on no, you at all? No, we don't carry any arms. That's yeah. the whole idea yeah. of the people I work with. We don't carry no arms. We yeah. don't carry no coshes. We don't carry nothing. Yeah. We're all capable guys. We yeah. can all box yeah. and we can all look after ourselves. But yeah. we don't go into it. I've never been on a job where I want to hurt anyone yeah. anyway. But that, that's besides the point. We use a certain amount of intimidation and we fucking ruin people's lives. And mm. that's what you do when you do robberies. Mm. You know, we we say we don't hurt anyone, but mentally we, we terrorize yeah. the fucking life out of them. Yeah. And I know we did. Yeah. Simply because, you know, that's the nature of the game. You know, if you go in and then you do what we do, there's gonna be casualties. Yeah. But we try to minimize their that their effect by not taking any guns or anything. But there's a psychological impact on the people that we yeah. there's no doubt about. It. I'm not gonna say we're white and white yeah. because we're not, you know, we're, we're fucking scumbags mm. because of what we did. Mm. But at the time I never looked at myself as that. I saw myself as a, as a, as a sort of robbing a guy. Yeah. I was robbing from the rich, I was robbing from the banks and I didn't give a fuck. Because the most, the thing that I knew about this place, some of the leading banks in JP Morgan and some of the leading banks in America and England had all, had all their data there. Because they lied, because they lie, because every time they there's a fraud, they cover it up with yeah. a slush fund. We nicked uh, 120 motherboards out of there, um, and and the, we went in for the data. We knew it was worth hundreds of millions of pounds. We were told that the data that we were getting was worth 100 million, but we knew there was more than that. Yeah. Um, so when it did all come on top, I'll just tell you that before yeah. I go any further. Yeah. Before it did come on top, uh, they 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 were adamant that only a million pounds of a penny and chips had done stolen stuff which was great for us because it minimized the yeah, thing yeah, so we yeah. thought lovely and then they said two million and four million but the official thing was on the police website we nicked five million pounds for a penny and chips but it wouldn't they wouldn't discuss uh, the data that was stolen yeah. they said nothing had been stolen yeah well we were we were paid handsomely over a million quid to go in there to go and get this stuff no one's going to give me a million quid yeah, without, without yeah. fucking anything yeah, being on there yeah. so by then minimizing the fact that nothing was stolen actually done me a favor because otherwise I'd have got a lot more burnt. Did you get paid before or after? Before. Did you? Yeah. So if it hadn't worked? Oh, no, no, no. What we did, we, we got a, a, a money up front to get all the all the equipment. Yeah. Uh, we got money to pay the, uh, the IT guys. How much were they on? It was on, it was on a few quid. A few quid. Yeah. Um, and, and we, what we did, our, our thing was, is once we procured all this stuff, we would then take it to a, a, a place in uh, Kenwood. I don't even know Kenwood House in no. Hampstead. Um, it's a museum, it's got lovely grands, it's got a calf, yeah. all the stars use it. And so we arranged to meet in the co in, in the coffee What's shop. That, so you've, you've, you've done the job, you've left everyone handcuffed up, you've gone out so what, and you got away. Yeah. So what we did, we, we came out of there, we, we came out of Horizon. Uh, so what I did, I, I think it was uh, 10 to 10, uh, and I let I let it go to to ten o'clock, and uh, I, I, I two minutes to I called it. Everyone everyone grabbed two bags. I I done three because my guy with a dog couldn't carry it. Yeah. Uh, and then we all we all walked out. The van was parked outside. Opened the door for everyone. They put all their bags in. Uh, we then brought the dog out. We then brought everyone out, and then I put the bags in. I was the last one out. Shutting the door, and the biometric car just aimed it because no one could move in or out of it yeah and then we got in the in the cars and the vans the, the tech guys they went one way yeah. they went they'd done their job and we went up to, to, to get rid of their gear in our slaughter and as we drove up Kentish Town 
we just came level off. I know where it was. It was exactly six minutes past 10 when the old bill went in there. Uh, because at four minutes past, we were just driving past Kentish Town Police Station uh, in the main road and all the old bill came in front of us. And we thought they were coming for us. We thought they were going to surround us. So they all come, they all come and, and, and cut across us. And then all of a sudden, and we've all got police uniforms on. Yeah. Fucking hell, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? But all of a sudden they'd gone round, they carried on. There's two there's two entries, one in Holmes Road and one at the top of Kentish Town. Yeah. So we let them go. My mate's in the road, what's fucking going on? What's going on? <laughs> so just calm down, just calm down. So we drove further out, the next thing, fucking it, another surge of old Bill, you know, vans and vans and yeah. cars were coming out. We thought there was a fucking world war. Yeah. Um, and then I was laughing, my mate who was driving was sort of laughing, and my mate was having a fucking heart attack in the back yeah. of the, with a van with a dog. And he's, he's covered in mother, he's got all the motherboards. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so, anyway, so we, we've, we've uh, let him go and we drove on, and we, we had arranged to get to Hampstead Heath, because there's a park there, because the dog was going mental, yeah. fucking barking all the time. And then we had a muzzle on it. And uh, we let him out. He's got out with a police uniform and a big jacket on. And he's walked, fucking hell, man. <laughs> fucking, I'm fucking sweating in the hotel. <laughs> anyway, he's walked off and he's got he's gone to give the dog back. And I said, oh, we'll meet him. We'll meet him up because we just want to meet up yeah. afterwards. Uh, where we arranged. And we went, took all the gear to the slaughter. And then uh, we went we went and had a drink. We went to a club in uh, uh, just over near Musbury, I think it was. And uh, we spent a few hours in there. I had a couple of bottles of champagne. And... Uh, just cheer the fact that we actually got away with it, yeah. and no one was hurt, which was brilliant. And uh, the next, the next day I woke up, everyone, everyone went back to their normal lives. Um, and then me and my guy, who, who got nicked with me, we got a van, we got all the stuff together, and we drove it to Kenwood. We put the van inside the car park, and we put the keys inside the uh, the petrol cap. He stayed with it, um, and then I went in, uh, met, met my fixer, and uh, he was smiling. He said, you've fucking done it, didn't you? Yeah. And I said, he's been on the news all night, the Ocean's Eleven style robbery. He said, what made you think of that? I said, it's just one of those things, it yeah. just happened. Because I never told him how we were going to do it, when we were going to do it. All he told us, it had to be done by the end of that four weeks. Otherwise, yeah. people, were, it, it would have been the shit would have hit the fan. Anyway, um, so he's sitting there, he's smiling, and and I walked in. He's, he had a guy over there, and, I, and he said, well, where's the gear? I said, it's in the car park. I said, but first, you need to transfer all that money into our accounts. Yeah. And we had we had, a, we had a system where you could transfer our money into our accounts, and we would get notified that the money had landed yeah. through friends of ours, and it went ping, ping, uh, lovely. And then we said, right, go around to the car park, take the van, brother. He went to the, the van, and uh, we had a car around there anyway. We left a, a little week before, so we then jumped into that car. We sell our goodbyes and and the motherboards and uh, everything that's never been seen again. Wow! And that was it. Wow! And they reckon it was a hundred million pound heist. Yeah. Uh, getting back to that. So if we if we say you know I I feel aggrieved when I do anything you know like especially now I look back over things but I, I've always I've never really had a empathy or anything towards doing what I did as far as the banking system is concerned, yeah. and I'll tell you why. The people that actually eyed us were from the banking system. I'll give you one instance of America. Uh, so the people who yeah. hired you to do the job were from the banking system? The, the guy that hired me said there was a syndicate of guys that belonged to the banking system and they want you to go in and get, that's that, that's that motherboard. It's all to do with the banks and everything else. So fucking, what did they want to do with those motherboards? I, I, I don't know. I, I can only assume they wanted to either get rid of the information on them. If, 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 if I just tell you one thing, in, in America, you've got a big, called, it's called Fargo Wells. It's one of the biggest banks in America. Mm. Now, the CEO of that guy is called uh, John Trump, um, or Stumpy's name is. 
he um he he opened three million fraudulent bank accounts in his customers' names. He was fined 187 million quid. Mm. He then operated a, a, um, an investment link that you locked into, but it was impossible to actually meet that criteria. So mm. you were then fined as a customer. Mm. He was then fined one billion pound. He then had to pay his customers four billion. In that period, he earned 120 billion. Mm. Um, he was then um, given a, 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 a personal handshake at the end of uh, his tenure tenure, and he received 100, and 30 million dollars mm. mm. he was then taken to court by the the american uh banking system mm. and and they they fined him 17 million 17 mm. uh and then they banned him from life mm. for actually getting into the banking game yeah so and and there are a number of banks under investigation now because of the criminal yeah. element of what happened with okay. that data okay uh, but we can only assume that the data was part of the the prime mortgage thing before it all went down in 2008 we done it in 2007 yeah the 2008 it went off yeah the um, crash the whole crash yeah. yeah but we can only assume that certain information on that was linked because the banks and the people that gave out them prime mortgages knew that the people they were lending to couldn't pay back yeah but they still got their bonuses hundreds and hundreds right, okay. of millions of pounds were paid out okay and data on that would implicate i don't know there was a massive building uh, operation in ireland mm. Um, and they spent hundreds of, of, if not billions on that over there building that and, and it all went peak time. Mm. But lots of people earned lots of money. Mm. Same thing in America, same thing in England, Royal Bank of Scotland. So what, so what did you do straight after you've done the job? You've given them the motherboards, you've got your money, you've walked away. Are you now on the run? No. No. No, no. I, I went away. I took my kids uh, on, a, on a boating trip. I, I, I rented a, a canal boat. Which is which is a uh, is a funny story, is it? Really? Um, I, I went and I went and uh, had, a, had a boat for a few weeks. Were you on, were you all over the news at this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was your thought process when you're seeing yourself on the news? Are your kids not thinking? Did they see like CCTV? Did no. they do like a, a, a drawing of you? What this man well, they, looks well, like? As or? I said, the good thing about it is, is 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 they said it was a burglary, so they minimised it. They, first of all, when it first happened, the Evening Standard the news said it was the Ocean's Eleven sold job, millions of pounds. People have been wrapped up in everything. And then a few days later, it all went quiet. Nothing. Never a fuck all. Yeah. Um, I, I, I went home that weekend and I was getting phone calls from people in the game. And and, and I pretended I was ill. I said, I've been ill all weekend. I yeah. haven't heard fuck all. Yeah. And they said, oh, we thought it was you. Is that <laughs> I, they said? I said, I fucking wished. <laughs> and then they said it was a, a foreign uh, a company of uh, villains had come over and done it. There's no way it's English. Yeah. And I said, more than likely, man, but I, I said, I've been too ill. I don't know, fuck all. Yeah. And then we had a little laugh and I said, I wish it was me, blah, blah, put the phone down. I had three or four conversations like yeah. that. And then um, I went and hired a boat and then, I, you know, I said goodbye to all the guys. Everyone had their thing and they all went their separate ways. Um, and then I, I was on a boat, if it was all right. And uh, when I got back, Someone had once someone had got nicked on a bit of graft uh, with police uniforms. Um, he's a friend of ours, and and the old Bill knew that we were friends of his, so they done a, a thing of known associates. Yeah. So when they did, they went around to all the yeah. uh, the security guards, and they went to the Verizon in particular because it was the biggest one on mainland Britain of yeah. data. And they said, "Does these these guys are ring a bell? This guy?" And they said, "That's him. That's the fucking guy. That right? That's the one that done all the talking. That's the one that choreographed it and orchestrated all the movements." And so the next thing I knew, I was I was uh, I was at my girlfriend's place, and it was about half five in the morning. And uh, how I, long after? Oh, this, is a, this is about a month or so after. Okay. I was I was I went, I've been away with the kids, 
And uh, I was, I was, I always get up early, three, four o'clock in the morning anyway. Because yeah. I'm, I don't know if it's, it's, I think it's being in prison. You're always up early, yeah. And you're, you know, because it's, it's when it all, any shit that's going to happen will happen when that door opens. Yeah. And it's the same in life. Yeah. If you get up, you see everything coming. And I was up three or four o'clock, and I was just on the balcony, and I, I looked over, and a, and a, and a girl came past, and a, and a geezer, and they weren't, they just didn't look right. Yeah. And one of them looked up. And I and I'll, I'll, I'll move back a bit, and I thought, fuck this. I had about thirty grand in a rucksack in, mm. in, in my kitchen, and on the other table I had my passport, everything else. And I, I fucking I left it mm. uh, because I, I, I was so preoccupied with getting the money mm. and just moving through the house. I could, mm. I could never told a girlfriend, never told, never made a sound. I just put my gear on and I put the rucksack through on the roof and I ran along. And I, I went down like a fire ladder, yeah. got a round thing on it. I went down and I dropped about 10, 15 foot. As I came out, all I saw was about twenty old Bill going in in the gaff, all going through the door. Well, you got well, you dropped down the other way. Yeah, and I and I, and I walked across, and then that was it. And next thing I knew, there was everyone. You know, they, they had a special squad on us. Uh, there was a 70, 70 squad on us, seventy team of them. Seventy uh, men on you. Yeah, and wow. they, they went to they went Birmingham, Liverpool, Scotland, everywhere. Everyone I knew. They went through all my buyers, everything, you know, chip buyers and everything. Yeah. They went through every door, my mum's with dads, everyone. Um, you know, so I, you know, I thought, thought, well, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide in the, in the, in the only place that they're not gonna be able to, to find me. So I hid across the road in, in you know, I, I got a canal boat, and I parked right across uh, uh, the road from Verizon in the back of the canal. <laughs> so I stayed there for three months. Well, so you you got a canal opposite Verizon yeah. and stayed in there. I stayed there for three months because they thought I was up in Northampton. Yeah, they thought you were everywhere else. Because what I did, I went up there, I showed my face. Yeah, and I and, I, and they was all geared up to there. They was all geared on it. And uh, for three months, I was I was out there. I was I was down Camden. I was taking my kids uh, out to fucking restaurants. I was going to the park with them. They were still quite young. My were kids. you getting paranoid at this point? No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. No, you know, I was I was right opposite. I was in the only place that they were never going to look. You know, so I didn't really give a toss. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd, sh I'd shave my head off. Um, I'd, I'd long hair. Yeah, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, and I, I just, I just, I went to the gym every day. Yeah. So yeah, I used the shower. I ate well. I went to the gym. I got really fit. Um, and everything was going sweet. You know, and I was, I was, I was coming back and forth to London. I was going up Birmingham. I was seeing Pal still. Nothing yeah. had changed. I even got pulled up in uh, Northampton. And I had a and they all, I had a Range Rover, mm. same as yours, mm. and and they pulled me and uh, and, I, and I gave them my ID and they never and they, and they let me go, so I thought there's no way I got I got ID I'm sweeter than that yeah, and and uh, then all of a sudden my dad phoned me he said tell the old Bill fucking they're really heavy at the moment yeah. they're coming for anywhere you need to get the fuck out of here, so I, so I phoned my pal and I arranged to pick up a passport and I was going to go to Thailand and send some money over there. Mm. And and I waited for three or four weeks, and I uh, got my passport. Well, I never got my passport. I got the promise of my passport. It was supposed to be delivered the day before. Yeah. Um, what happens? It never it never turned up, and uh, I packed all my gear. I got rid of all everything I owned, the car, everything, and I was in a little place up in Leegrave, about ten miles. Well, about a few miles away from Luton Airport. I thought I'd stay up there, and then uh, I was I was sitting there. I spoke to the guy who was supposed to get my passport, and he said, look. I've had a bit of problem with it. I'll have to meet you at the airport. All right, I said, no problem. I'll, I'll see you there tonight because my, my fucking plane is going yeah. this evening. He said, all right, no problem. So I was sitting in I was sitting in there about three o'clock in, in this little cottage and uh, I thought I'd go and get something to eat. And I, I walked up to the uh, chicken shop it was. And as I was walking along, I was on the phone with one of my, my, my pals in London. 
And as I was walking along, a, a car mounted the pavement and come, started heading towards me. I thought, oh, fuck, I said this on top, I threw the phone. And uh, next one, I looked around me, there's another car coming behind and they both sort of, they were going to chisel my legs. Yeah. So I jumped up, fell over the front of the car and the van pulled up. Next thing, the whole fucking street came alive with old Bill. Yeah. And, and, and I was weighed in and I was spread eagled on the floor and then pulled up to my feet and then we got you. Wow. Got you. And then, you know, I did, I normally, I said, like, like, you've obviously got the wrong fucking person. Yeah. Um, my name is Eddie O'Brien. And, and they go, look, we know you are. I yeah. fuck about him, us. You know, yeah. we thought you were a bit taller. That's yeah. what he said. That's what one of them said. I thought, that's it. No, but, but what I realized, what I asked him, what happened on the bit of work, two old Bill got smashed on, on, a, on a bit of graph coming out of the gaff. Yeah. They blame me. Um, and, and one of them got weighed in, one of them got chucked over a wall. And but in their own words, they said that I was six foot four. Right. I'm only six foot. Yeah. So when they arrested me, they expected me to be six foot four and they expected to weigh the fuck out of me because yeah. they thought I weighed in two of their colleagues. Yeah. It wasn't me anyway. Yeah. Um but so I got I, I eventually got charged with that, but because they in their own words said I was six foot four, it got dropped. Um I then had every police force in the country come to me because there was lots of jobs over that period of time where people use police uniforms and you know quite a lot of money had been taken in the last four or five years mm. you know i'm talking five tens millions of quids yeah um and and the next thing i knew i'd i'd uh i was in wandsworth and then i had these these these, uh, these guys come and meet me and they wouldn't give their names wouldn't give nothing and uh, when i spoke to the uh you know afterwards but it, why i was there they said look we we don't give a fuck about you mm. we don't care nothing about you you're as far as you're concerned we know that you ain't even got the brains to do this fucking job mm. i thought it lovely yeah um but we, all we want is some other balls and we want the people that, that arranged it all mm. and i said well I, I, and i realized they were they weren't they weren't old bill yeah they was mi5 yeah because oh, yeah, they, okay. they when i went out i spoke to the screw after said who are they because i need their names for my solicitor yeah because they just they 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 spoke to me they won't give me their names and they said who the screw said who who I said sit the fuckers that were just in with me yeah anyway and he said that they weren't here tell so they they weren't here so I had the security governor down now telling me you better play ball with these guys he even brought me a cup of coffee in yeah play ball with these guys and you'll be out before you know it they offered me a deal that night so what deal did they offer you you can walk out you could do three years and the time you've already done and remind you can fuck off you'll be gone. You'll be home with your kids and everything else, and I, and I said no. You know, they wanted my they wanted my my firm, yeah. Um, and they wanted the motherboards and they wanted the people to set it up, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't in a position because of of who I am, mm. and 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 I would I would never turn over on any of my boys yeah. or any of my friends. Um, so I said no, I can't I can't play ball, and they said well, you know you're you're going to get in there, you're going to get you're going to get top dollar as far as uh, sentences concerned. If you don't take no guns in a job. Or you don't hurt anyone you know normally you're going to get six seven years yeah if you take a gun you're going to get 10 12 yeah. maybe a bit longer yeah you know maybe 15. um and next thing i knew they i you know i uh i was taken out on a production a production yeah what's that to go and get my my photo id okay. and, and and an i and a um um an id parade and uh so i've gone now and um as, I, as we as we as we were driving along, the, the, they put the uh, handcuffs on me wrong, yeah. and they were loose. Yeah. And there was eight old Bill with me, and uh, I drove into that St Anne's ID the the uh, car park, and I'm having a conversation with these guys, and they're telling me to do a deal with them, 
And I, and I, and I, I for some reason, I said, I'll, I'll probably be owned by a fucking tonight. Yeah. So you said to him? <laughs> I said, I'll be owned tonight. Yeah. So they thought I was obviously going to have a deal with it. Yeah. But I'd got the cuff off in the, in the van. Well, one of us popped. One of, the, one of them popped. It was, it? it was loose. I pulled it off as I was driving along. Yeah. And um, so we, we, we drove into the yard. The first car with, with three old people parked across the road they, uh, in, in there, and they haven't got out. The other car's parked behind us uh, across, and they haven't got out. I've got three three old Bill with me now. This special squad that uh, that take you everywhere if you're if you're deemed. A, and were uh, you in the back of a van? Right I was now? in the back of a van. Okay, yeah. and they're sitting with you. So yeah, so the guy in the front has got out. He's gone in. He was he was about fucking six foot nine. This guy yeah. built yeah. like a shit house. And I, I thought, yeah, of all these guys, he's going to be my only problem. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll I'll ever go all of them. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's always been something in my head. I, if I put my mind to it, I could do it. Yeah, yeah. And in, in my in my head, I convinced myself that I could do them all and fucking get over the wall. Yeah, <laughs> stupidly. <laughs> um, so so he's he's gone in. Next thing I knew, um, the guy who was who was behind me started reading the paper, and I thought, you know, that if I if I try that door and it don't open, I'm going to look like yeah. I'm trying to escape, and all yeah. else is going to break break loose. And as I thought it, he opened the door. It slid open. And then he he jumped down and I thought, oh, fuck so, it, whack. <laughs> so I smashed him on the jaw. He's gone arse over tit. And I've gone running around the corner to try and go out the same way I came in. And there's there's a couple of old Bill there coming through the gate. So I've gone back. I jumped on a car. I jumped on a van. I pulled myself up. And just as I got on the, the, the handcuff stuck in the wall on top of it, I couldn't pull myself up. Oh. And the next thing I knew, someone grabbed my legs. And then I've hit the floor. And then I'm, I'm cuffed again. And I was just a stroke of luck. My solicitor walked came in and said, what's going on? What's going on? Mm. And I said, I've just got out of the fucking van and they just all jumped me. I've yeah. got handcuffs on, look. Yeah. So he said, look, if anything happens to my client, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so they, they said that he tried to escape. He's a fucking scumbag. And uh, they gave me, they broke, they, they busted my eye, busted my shoulder and gave me three broken ribs. And I went back to- um, For clumping a copper. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was an idiot, you yeah. know, like, you know, but unfortunately- How old were you at this time? 30 odd, 35, 40, maybe that. I think, you know, there's a special mindset that we have that we mm. think that we could we could do anything. Do anything, yeah. You know, we don't live by the laws that most people live their lives by and we just think that we're entitled to do anything we want. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have a self-entitlement that when we get caught, we shouldn't be caught. Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately... How long did you get? I got 16 years, nine months. Wow. Yeah. Without without having any weapons on you, no weapons, nothing. Why do you think they gave you double bubble? Do you know what they they wanted the motherboards? They wanted the people, um, and they were pissed off. They you know, and the judge even said he said that you know, this wasn't the fact that you've actually taken this stuff. The fact that you've used police uniforms, yeah. The fact that you've you've interfered with the the business sector of our country, mm. um, you know, and you've terrorised people in the process. And I, and I, when he said that, I, I, I thought I was going to get a little bit extra. Uh, my 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 other code he got eleven, um, and uh, how did they find him? Uh, the he, same. He was he was the one that got nicked on the other bit of graft. Oh right, okay. So, and you know he you know he didn't bubble you up. Oh no, that's no, one hundred percent. He won. Yeah. You know, like he he could have walked out the same as me. Yeah, okay. Um, it's, so you could have. So basically, you got a sixteen years nine months. Yeah. You could have got three years on remand and walked after a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you if I'd give everyone up, I'd have yeah. Wow. So you got 16 years and nine months. When they told you that, what was that feeling like? I never really felt anything for myself. I looked in the, I looked at the, uh, the gallery. I see my family there, my kids, my ex-girlfriend. How old were your kids then when they were in that gallery? <sighs> Roughly. They were young. 
you know, like what earlier. fours, five, sixes, older, tens, seven of that, seven. seven that. Okay, I think one of them was a little bit older. Yeah. Um, my dad, uh, girlfriends, and just normal like friends and family, and also my pals, uh, friends and family were there as well. I felt more, more. Uh, I felt more towards them than yeah. I did for myself. I could see the pain in their eyes. You know, I think as criminals, we just we just take it as uh, as part and parcel of the job. Mm. And and what we do, we uh, we ad we adjust really quick. Mm. And and what I did uh, before I even got out, out the door, I I worked out how long I had to do straight away. Yeah, because I got I think I got I got, I got fifty or or seventy years because you you got you know you get tens tens concurrent 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 and you got consec. He gave me a consec that made me made me set up because I've never ever had a consecutive sentence before. Give me an example. What does that mean? So a consecutive sentence is that you do your sentence. So I got I got uh, uh, nine years for the for the robbery. My mate got eleven. What for this robbery? Yeah, Verizon robbery. Yeah. nine years. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, but what he, what they did because they, I, they because they, they wanted to give me more. Yeah, uh, this is MI five. Yeah, uh, they won. They then gave me a consecutive. But I couldn't appeal it because I got less than my pal. Right on the on the nine, he got eleven. Yeah, yeah. So because I, because I, they didn't give me a consecutive, they gave me another seven years, six months on top of that, which then meant that I had to do that sentence and then start a brand new sentence right. on that one. Right. Okay. So you know, so that was the only way they get. So I couldn't appeal it. Okay. And I could, I couldn't say nothing. You know, they they fucked me. Did they did they give you what did you reckon they gave you more for clumping a copper? Because that's got to be that's got to be how many years would you oh, get no, for that? He, I, um, well, you know what? I, I, they they were pissed off because yeah. I actually got a not guilty for that. I actually went into a, an internal uh, uh, prison thing, and I was in patches for for three months. So it's a yellow and green suit, and then I went to adjudication inside prison. So they were, you, you're walking around in prison in a yellow and green suit. Yeah, and what's everyone else wearing? Normal clothes, and and, and what's that saying? What's clothes? saying that just shows that I'm an escapee, and I and I and I, I can't be approached. And what happens then? I I have to take I take all my clothes off at night. I can't wear nothing in there. Um, uh, I can't have nothing in there at all apart from a bed. So, so you're so you're you're basically bollock naked, yeah, keeping under a duvet all the time, yeah. So you know, twenty four hours a day, and then I get escorted to, uh, to exercise on my own. Then I get es escorted to my breakfast and my dinner or whatever, fucking tea on my own, wow. or to the canteen on my own. Um, it was probably you know it was it was a it wasn't a good look. I I, had, I said I had broken ribs and all that and busted thing. Uh, I and um, but the, the one you know if there was a, a light. There's a light yeah. in this. Yeah. You know, I was always a little bit off key. As I said, I, you know, years ago I got hit on the head mm. and I, I don't know if that affected me. I, I never had no empathy. I never had no fear. That, make, that makes you a dangerous man. It, I, I, think I've, I think I've learned empathy since yeah. I come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened, I actually, I was in the block. I, a psychologist came down there and said, look, you know, you're a, you're a little bit off key, Mr. Mm. Ellis. Uh, there's not many people going to do what you do. Yeah. There's not many people take on eight, eight, eight of them and try and escape. Yeah. And there's not pe many people, you know, I think it really uh, would really help if you went and spoke to a, um, a forensic psychologist. Yeah. And I said, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Anyway, he went. Um, the governor came in. I said, look, there's millions of cockroaches in this cell. How the fuck am I supposed to live in this cell? Mm. I said, I need to get out of it. And he said, you know, he said something sarcastic. And I, I thought, you know, prick. And yeah. that was it. And then I got moved to the landings on the main wing. And I got moved right right across the, from the, the Scrooge offices. And the place is just full of cockroaches. I've done if you know, you've been in Pentonville. The place is littered with with shit in there. Um, but I was in a cell and I can remember I'd, I had um, a bunk bed with never no mattress. And I remember laying there and a cockroach falling in my face. And when I went to get something out of the sink, a cup and all my cockroaches coming out of there, 
and I complained a few times and I got the same attitude. Mm. Just because we're criminals, it doesn't mm. mean we live have to live like shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But they, they deem that was this is a proper accommodation for us because we've been we've been naughty. So instead of killing them, I put them in a, a see-through HMP bag mm. and I've 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 got hundred and something in there at the last count. And I was I was I was I've been on the landing now. The screws have got to know me. They're a little bit lax. Um, and um, my mates were coming down and giving me food and everything else. I had a phone and everything, and mm. all of a sudden, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I didn't in my kettle, believe it or not. Then the but you, the, had, you had the phone in the kettle? Yeah, I had the phone in yeah. I put all my wires in there, and, yeah. and I bottled the, the other one. I got a little, little phone like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so I had a phone there. I was getting chicken every day. I was getting food, and I thought, well, you know what? It ain't the end of the world. But this particular day, they, they screw opened my door. My mate gave me the chicken, and, and when he went to pull the door shut, my mate said something, and he, the screw walked away, but my mate held the door and clicked it. And then pushed it open and said, I'll leave it open for you. I'm just messing about. Yeah. So he left it there, I pulled it shut. So I'm sitting in there, I've got all these cockroaches there, I've got my chicken now, and all I can hear is is screws outside my door and those are people. You know, there's there's about 15 or 20 women with, with uh, clipboards and guys with clipboards, and they're doing an inspection. And um right in front of me is a pool table in, in outside my cell. And guess who's there? The governor. He's standing right there with his back towards me, and there's all the screws are in front of him on the other side. Yeah, and I and like that voice that that, that 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 sent me to escape was saying to me, "Just fucking do him, yeah. go and do him." And I and I've, I'd, I thought, you know what? If I eat him, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get weighed in so yeah. rotten. So I thought I just give him a taste of his own medicine. So I picked up the bag of cockroaches and I walked outside and put him over his head, <laughs> and I and I threw the rest over all the people there, and they was all screaming and running. And they're all up, they're all running on land. Next thing, I, I'm getting fucking weighed in again. I'll get, they threw me in my cell. Then it calmed down. Then they took me out of my cell and took me down to the block, stripped me naked. And then an hour later, they said, "Come put the suit back on." I said, oh, "Fuck off." Yeah. So I spent I spent a couple of days there naked, just walking back and getting my food, going to the shower, going to the phone, whatever down there for that week. And then they give me back my, my gear. And then, and then about one o'clock, half one in the morning, they come and said, um, "You're moving." You're going, you know, and they, they, they said, I said, fuck off, am I? You don't have to move me while there's an inspection on. Mm. Um, anyway, they did, and there was four or five other guys they moved, and we went to Wandsworth. And, what um, was Wandsworth prison like? So, right, you know, as soon as I walked in there, I got people there, I got I got a phone straight away. My, my other pal was there, um, and it was like, it was nothing. We, we were back in the game within a minute. I, I'd got a not guilty. Uh, because the old bill, when they in their haste, they wrote down the, the wrong uh, police station. Not guilty was, for what? Uh, for attacking the the, the, the copper. Okay. Uh, and trying to escape. Yeah. Because what it, what it was, I went to St Anne's, but he had put Kentish Town. So What's St Anne's? It's an ID unit. Yeah. Okay. An ID parade. Yeah. So because he was so flustered when he wrote out the charge for me attacking yeah. him and everything else, he'd wrote Kentish Town. Yeah. Okay. That's where I was. That's where I was originally supposed to go. Yeah. So the technicality. They couldn't amend that, yeah, okay. so I got a not guilty. So they was a little bit pissed off at that. Yeah, but I'd moved to Wandsworth. How many years do you reckon you got put on top if you'd have got a guilty on that? Oh fucking hell! Because <laughs> hitting I a know. copper has probably got to be a yeah. You know what? They give me as good as I get. They busted yeah. my ribs and everything else. You know what? It was, it was you know, I didn't go out of my way to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I, I got I went out of my way to put him on his ass so I could get out of there. Get away. Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't when a, you were inside Wandsworth. Did you ever think about escaping? Yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. I think it's something in me that, that needs to, to do. I think you, you get into a sentence and when you've done a certain amount, then you switch off. Yeah. Then you think, you know what, I've done that, so I'm not to fucking do the rest now. No yeah. point in going. But at the beginning of the sentence is open season on, on the freedom, you know, trying to get it. Did you get close to escaping? 
Do you know, I thought about it lots of times. I, I, I thought about it and thought about it. Um, what went through your head? What was the route for you to escape? Well, I was just going to take one of the, I was going to take one of the screws, get his keys. But as I looked into it, um, the screws, the, the, the key that the screws have on the landings yeah. can open the, the, my door, can open the, the door downstairs and open the door to the, to the exercise yard. Yeah. But they can't open the, 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 the other gate that goes onto the outside right, near okay. the perimeter. And that's, so it would only get you so far. Yeah, okay. and, and, and there's cameras, there's, there's barbed wire, there's everything, it's, it's double, double-edged barbed wire. So you know what, as much as I thought about it, the reality was, it was yeah. fucking, it was, it was a no-go yeah. with what I had around me. If I, had, if I had a few people that were willing to do the same as me, maybe. How many years did you do in total? In eight that, years, eight years, four did. and a half months. But getting, getting back, um, so what happened, I was, I was in Wandsworth, I, I was I was feeling a, a little bit sorry for myself, a little bit pissed off, um, and and I, I just doing my normal thing on the phone, trying to fight the system, and then a psychologist walked into my cell, and and I told him to go, so I don't really need you, I don't really need to speak to anybody, I'm okay, mm. I'm sane, I'm normal, and um, <laughs> she said, look, you know, look, you know, it's not going to do you any harm, you might as well come and speak to me, so I just said, look, fuck off, I don't really want to speak to you, anyway. Four or five weeks later, she came out again. I said, "All right, come and let's have a ch- let's have a chat now." I was bored because I couldn't get no work. Yeah, I couldn't go out myself because I was because that's who I was. Um, Were you twenty three twenty three hours a day lock up was yeah, it? Yeah, twenty three hours a day like, bang up. Anyway, this next thing I know, she's uh, she started speaking to me, and, and I realised that that I was really off key. Yeah. I was really, I really didn't function like most people. I never had no empathy. I was I was willing to sacrifice and. And gamble my whole life yeah. on bits of work, on yeah. money. Yeah. I'd given up my kids. You know, I'd taken drugs. I'd, I'd lived a lifestyle that it, most people even comp- can't even comprehend. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I worked in Spain for a number of years, mm. doing puff. You mm. know, running puff yeah. up. Yeah. And my mate got killed over there. Mm. I left there. I went to Amsterdam. Uh, I was working with some Yugoslavian uh, ex-forces guys over there for for, for a year or so, mm. doing cocaine, guns, and everything else. Ease. Well, um, bringing them in, bring them in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm saying I'm smashing it. Oh yeah. And and I was, you know, I was, I was, I was using cocaine. I was going to brasses fucking every night. Yeah. And the, the lifestyle was, was 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 not not one I recommend. But at that time, I thought it was the bollocks. Yeah. I was buying buying ease. I was doing everything, and and I went on a meet to, to do something else and my other two pals went on another meet to buy to meet some uh, some Albanians. George got shot in the back, got crippled, and and Sergio got shot in the nut, got killed. And and I and I and I found out through someone else that evening that what had happened. And normally I would have been there yeah. with them. And I thought, fucking hell, it's getting pretty dangerous over here now. Yeah. And what was this what country in then? I was in Amsterdam. Amsterdam, okay. Yeah, I had a little place in Utrecht there. Yeah. And I was coming back and forth, I had a little boat, I had a nice ass. I was smashing it and you know, I was going to the restaurants every night. Yeah. I had so much money, I didn't know what to fucking do with it. Yeah. However, I then thought, you know what, I'm gonna go back to England and what I'll do, I won't, I won't uh, go direct, I'll, I'll go through France. Yeah. So when I got to France, uh, I got a phone call of a pal of mine and said, look, I've got, I've got a warehouse in Ostend. I need, I need you, brother, come yeah. and fucking give us <laughs> hands. I said, what you, what you got? He said, I've got, I've got a lorry, it comes back every week and I need someone to, to sort that warehouse out and I, I need someone to pick up a load of cigarettes from Germany and everywhere else, Luxembourg, and I need to fill it up, take it out of the cartons and send it back to England yeah. and, and sell it for me, organize everything, can yeah. you do it? So, so of course I, I said, yes. I wanted to go back and see my kids. Yeah. 
Um, but the good thing about being in France is that I could just get on the sea cap, yeah, back over or the ferry, hours, yeah. and, I, and I could go back to London. Yeah. So I spent I spent um, the next year or so, if not more, doing this. And then um, I came back. To, I, I came back to to London one day. I, I came I came back over. I was in Ost, in Ostend. I got the lorry driver to give me a lift up to Calais. So I was going to come across, and and uh, he drove me up there. And I never realised that in Ostend, the old bill were waiting for me. Mm. So they were waiting for me at Ostend. Yeah. I'd gone through Calais and got through the customs there and they were waiting for me there. Yeah. They missed me because um, I changed. I, when I was when I get on the ferry, I, I I go normal. And then when I get on there, I go into the toilets and I, and I, I change and I put out on normally. Yeah. And then they missed me. For some yeah. reason, they missed me. And I had a different passport uh, to what I normally use. Yeah. So I got through. Um, but I didn't know they were, they were after me at this stage. Yeah. And then I got a taxi back... Um, Back to back to uh, to where I, where I was meeting my guys, and we had arranged to um, we'd arranged to um, pick up uh, some vans, um, bits and pieces in a place called Cuffley. Uh, mm. and, uh, and what happens? I had a Range Rover at the time, and and he couldn't. My mate couldn't drive the lorry, so I said, All right, let me drive the lorry. You drive that." So he went, and as he pulled into the farmyard, fucking old Bill yeah. come with guns and everything, and and I and I saw it, and I just carried on driving. Oh, fucking I want a result. But we had a lorry in the in the in the in the farm. It was full up with cigarettes, yeah. fucking everything else. Yeah. So there's old Bill there with with guns and they've got they got he, all I can see was him and his and he's he's uh his pal, my other pal. Uh they've got all red dots on them. And and they're just fucking like on their knees and in his and I thought oh, fucking hell. Like I went back to London and we had a warehouse in King's Cross. And just as I pulled up, I got in a taxi. I just as we were pulled out there, I see there's about ten old Bill. My mates are all fucking coming out handcuffed. We got a great massive safe in there. And they've 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 drilled it, and luckily we we had a chalkboard in there. And over the the year, because we had a, we had on auctions, yeah, uh, all the chalk dust had come up. We never had no gear in there. We didn't yeah. use it because yeah. we, we had a courier company in there. They thought it was gear. Yeah, <laughs> they, got, could they got they got a box of fucking chalk. Yeah. So all my mates are all cuffed up and everything else. The whole place has been terrorized. It's been ripped apart by millions of old bills. Yeah. And I'll see him and I thought, oh, fuck this. And I've, I've carried on driving, haven't yeah. I? And I've yeah. gone and I've gone, I went back to my, my, uh, my place. And as I, as I was just driving past there in the taxi, I, um, I said to the guy, just keep going. I see all uh, three or four police cars in the park or in the car park. And so I got on the phone. I said, like to my bird, um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come home. Um, I'm going to, I'm just driving, I'm going to go straight up to Luton. Yeah, I want to get. I'm going over to Amsterdam, yeah. and she said, "All right." Anyway, next thing I was, I'm looking, I see all the old bill come out the ass, all running into their cars, all flipping up the road, and I thought, "Fuck it," I went, I went and stayed at a friend's ass. So I stayed there for a couple of weeks, and uh, with custom and exercise, when they come, when you're going for an interview, they give you all the, the questions they're going to give you. Yeah. So they gave me all the questions. So when I went into the interview, I said, "No comment, no comment." Yeah. And I, I always wore gloves anyway. They never had no camera evidence. Yeah. I got not guilty. So no, it was no, cool. I went, I went up there. I said, you, you know, you've obviously got the wrong guy. They asked me why I was over there. I said, well, I've got a bird over there. She's married and I'm not going to give her up for the sake of a, a trumped up charge. Yeah. So you prove that it's me and I'll tell you it fucking ain't. That yeah. was it. My mate got six months for, for being on the farm. Uh, but luckily for us, none of the, none of the, none of the cartons of cigarettes were in, in normal, normal packaging. Yeah. They was in blanks. Okay. So he then said he was hired to actually unload the lorry. Yeah. Couldn't see what was coming in or at. Yeah. So he then got six months. It was fuck all. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was happy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. Wow. Done. Have you ever dealt with the trauma of your mum putting you in a home at the age of 11, 10? 
Yeah. You have? Yeah, I wrote, um, I wrote a book about it. It's called Living Amongst the Beasts. So I wrote Verizon. So this is your book here, <coughs> Verizon, which you which you wrote. What year did you write this? I wrote this. When I wrote did it come out? I, I, I wrote it uh, last year because uh, I, I wasn't actually going to write about my criminality or my lifestyle or anything um, because I've I, I run an anti-knife crime pain uh, called Change Your Life, Put Down Your Knife. Yeah. And, and, I, and I go into schools and universities and lecture on rehabilitation and everything else. Yeah. And um, so I didn't really want to um, glamorize. glamorize crime. Unfortunately, it's a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I have to tell it before I can explain living amongst the beasts. Right. So, so you have to, so the first book of it was Verizon. It's about my childhood. It's about, it's about drug addiction. Yeah. I was, I was a cocaine user. I used what heroin. Age, what, age, what age were you cocaine user uh, to what age would you uh, say? You know what? I've, I used cocaine from the age of 20 years old till I was in my 40s. Really? I was a fucking, I was, I was, uh, I lived hard. I played hard. You know, I womanized. I drank. I done everything. You know, I, I wasn't a really nice person. I thought I was. Yeah. I thought I was a dad. I thought I was kind, considerate. Yeah. But I could switch on and off at, on the on the sixpence, yeah. and I was a you know I was just just I thought I was alright, but I was a vicious, horrible cunt. Yeah. Um, so I was told. Yeah. And did you did you know that at the time? No. Nah. You're just thinking you're just doing no the gear, you're partying, you're doing robberies, you're earning money. Did you not think? Hold on a minute, something's something's not quite right here. No, nah, because everybody I knew and everybody I, who lives who I associate with, I associate with with villains. Yeah. You know, everybody I know is a villain. Yeah. You know, all the Adamses, all the Rileys. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 it's, it's entrenched in yeah. our life. Yeah. You know, being a normal straight goer is wrong. Yeah. It's that normal. Yeah. You know, can you can you understand the mentality that we've got? Mm. When people talk about empathy and rehabilitation and, and restorative justice, we don't feel none of that shit. Yeah. We don't adhere to none of that. Yeah. Is it we're we're incapable. Mm. We're just incapable of actually you know, feeding into that shit. So when so when you come out and done your eight years did you go right? I'm gonna go clean. I'm gonna go straight. No, I, I, what I was. I when, was. What year did you come out? Um, 2016. 16. Well, as, as I, I was in, I was in Wandsworth. I went to see a psychologist, um, and then I, I spoke to her for a for a few months, and then I got moved to Rye Hill. I was with Terry Adams, Tony Brindle, a few of the boys, and I and and I. Terry really, Adams in there at the same time. Is yeah, it? Terry's a good, good friend, um, but I. Something had happened while I was talking to her. I realised that my childhood and everything else was a little bit off key. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I, I I did feel I felt as if like if I'd have been given him a better opportunity, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be spending fucking all this time in prison. I yeah. wouldn't have spent all that time in care. Yeah, you know. So this, so someone really was responsible. Yeah, and I really wanted to to figure out what impact that had on me. So. I'd heard of Grendon Underwood. Was it's a therapeutic prison? It holds two hundred and twenty-eight of the worst criminals in this country. Whereabouts is that in the country? It's in Aylesbury. Serial okay. killers, rapists, paedophiles, child killers—you name it. All in that one prison. All in that one prison. The worst. The worst of the worst. Um, Why did you choose to go there? Did you get a choice to go there? No, no. I, I volunteered to go there. Why? Because, like, because I, I'd been in prison before, and I listened to all the old shit. I'd been, I'd done all the old jokes, and I've been there. I wasn't going to waste any more of my time in prison, yeah. just talking over the same crap yeah. and listening to the same joke. And I tell you what, it was for me. There was two old guys, three old guys in there. They'd all been done for doing a van yeah. outside of, outside some uh, supermarket. It was on a ready eye, and the only reason they never all got shot and killed because they was all in their sixties. Yeah, one of them was even seventy-five. You're joking yeah. me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Still at it. They were still at it. And and these young guys were sitting on the table next to me. I was with Terry Adams. I was with Tony Brindle, a few really good guys from, from, from Camden Town. And these old guys were there and they were talking to these young kids. And I thought, do I really want to be coming back at 60 years old? Yeah. And then people look up to me as if I'm a fucking role model. Yeah. So I'm going to try this gaff. I'd spoken to this uh, forensic psychologist about it. And and they said, this it's, it's one of the hardest places you ever go. It's not fucking walking apart. Yeah. This is, this place will rip you apart and build you back up again. Yeah. So I spoke to the guys and they said, fucking hell, you're going to be living amongst the beasts. Yeah. And I said, yeah. And that's where I got the name for the book. And it's stayed it stay there. So this this book here is called Living Amongst the Beasts. Yeah. And this is living in a prison with 250 odd of the worst criminals yeah. in the country. Yeah. It's probably one of the oddest bits of sentence I've ever done. I, I've done sentences. And How long were you there for? I was there for two and a half years. And what was the feeling like of being, knowing you were going to this? Did you know what you were letting yourself in for? Not really, no. No, because you're dealing with killers and all sorts. I, you know what? I, 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 there was a lot that I needed to deal with. Um, and going to Grendon was, would give me an opportunity to actually test myself as a human being, you know, mentally, physically, everything else. But also, you know, I'd, I'd read a lot over the years. I'm a really prolific reader. I read a lot of psychology books, everything else. And I, and I realized that, you know, you can read about things that, that are not necessarily going to have an impact on you. I could tell you about prison. I could tell you about rehabilitation. I could tell you about crime. Mm. You're not really going to learn about it. Mm. So to actually engage in something that was entrenched because it's, it's there's, there's said, there's, there's, um, there's wings there, four, five wings there. And, and you have a, a community, a, um, a therapeutic community on each one with 40 guys. And you're just within 40 guys. And it's about testing you and everything that you hold dear, your belief systems, mm -hmm. your thinking, um, your reservations, your anxieties, your everything. So for me, going here was gonna test me to the limits. Yeah. And you do a three months induction period there and and I can remember walking in the first day and I saw that all these guys uh, sitting there and they're all smiling at me. They're in the dentist. I had to go through there. Yeah. And and I I didn't know whether to say hello or just carry on walking. And I, I just felt it straight away that these people were a little bit off key. Yeah. And it was surprising because I'd, I'd been eating in myself for the last, you know, few years, you know, and all of a sudden I found myself in a, in a dining room with, with with these guys. I had to sit with them. And you know, and and the, and the food was was so much more superior than any prison I've ever been into. Mm. It was well presented. Um, the place was really clean, um, and the people were, were were friendly. You know, there was no one there that was you know like normal prison where they would just shun you and, yeah. and they all putting this facade on yeah. of like look at me yeah. and they're pushing you away with their eyes and they're yeah. pushing you away with their mannerism. Yeah. Everyone in Grendon, it was all about accepting the responsibility for what you are and what your crime was. So the first thing you did, you said hello to everybody, and that was it. So here I was sitting down. The first guy that I, I spoke to was a was a young guy. He'd he'd um, how old? Roughly, he, he must have been like twenty years old. Okay, he was in sitting, in living with the beat. In yeah, living in Queens. This is this is the first okay, one. Yeah. So he he's he's sitting opposite me, and normally these people I'd find repugnant. I'd I'd, I'd weigh him in on the normal landing, yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't give him five seconds. Yeah, but suddenly this guy's in front of me. I got him, I got another guy and his other black guy. The black guy had put a soldier nine in, inside his girlfriend. Put her? A soldier nine. Okay. And beat the shit out of her, but put a soldier nine up her. Jesus. Um, the other guy had, had met a young girl on the, on the, on the canal uh, and he fancied her, but she was only 10 or 11. And he was like 17, 18 years old. And what he'd done, he'd 
grabbed hold of her because she wouldn't kiss him and he'd held her under the water and killed her, you know. Um, and then the other guy, I was speaking to him and and, and, I, and, I, and I, I fucking, all I wanted to do was get up and walk out. Yeah. And I said, well, what are you in for? What? He said, oh, you know, I'm in for child cruelty. So I said, what, what happened? He said, well, my girlfriend went out and he said, um, you know, she started crying and everything. I was changing her nappy and then she started screaming and all that. So I, I pushed her and I broke her back. Okay. I, and then I, the next thing I knew, I, you know, he, he had 60 or 70 punches on this kid even in, in the paperwork. Did I, you I not it. think when you listened to that, that you would have to do something to him? Oh, you know, so as I was listening to him, I could feel myself. But the whole idea of this place was about internalizing everything. Okay. It's what teaches you tolerance. Because your normal self would yeah. clump him and go I'd mad. fucking kill him. Yeah. So so I'm listening to this guy and I'm thinking, fucking, I said, listen, I've got to fuck off. And I, and I went, I went to my room and, I, and I, there was another guy who was in for robbery. I said, I can't fucking handle this. Yeah. He said, listen, just, just stay with it. Yeah. He said, you can't let these cunts ruin your therapy. Yeah. So I said, all right. So so I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll crack it. So I shook it off. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in the dining hall and, and it's still, Take your time, mate. Yeah. Time. I think, you know, some, some, of the, some of the things that, you know, you, you just don't forget, but I think it teaches you about about a lot of things. And I learned a lot there. And I, I can remember this this guy and, and, I, and I walked in and, and I got to the stage where I just didn't want to fucking speak to anyone. Yeah. But this guy, he'd come up to me and he'd sat down and he, and, and he started speaking and everything. And he said, oh, uh, I'm my so-and-so. Um, he said, I'm doing like life sentence. I said, oh, what do you do? And he said, well, I'd, I'd split up with my wife and we was going through a divorce. And um, I got two young girls. He said, so one night I got up, it was about half one in the morning and um, I decided to kill myself. So he said, I, um, I went downstairs, I got a bottle of uh, whiskey and, I, and a load of pills and I, and I, and I had a drink. Then I, then I had a pill and about half one, my daughter came down and I was crying at the stage. And, and, and he said, uh, she said, daddy, daddy was, why are you crying? What's the matter? He said, I'm going to heaven. And she said, oh, Daddy, can I come to heaven with you? Oh, God. And he said, yeah. So he started giving her a pill and a drink. And uh, then she passed out. And I was, I was, I was, uh, yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to seriously kill this fucker. I've got, I got three yeah. girls on my own. Yeah. But, you know, uh, and then, you know, then his other daughter came down and then she shouted up to her mum and then her mum grabbed her and they both ran out of the ass. And I said to him, why the fuck didn't you kill yourself? You know, why the fuck did you, mm. you know, if you're going to kill yourself, why don't you mm. kill yourself? Why don't you take this little kid? He said, but she wanted to die. Mm. I said, I've got kids. Mm. I said, they've got no comprehension at that mm. fucking age of death. Mm. You know, so I, I, that was it for me. I was, I, I went upstairs, I packed my gear and I, and I thought, fuck it. I, I've, I'm not going to last a week here, mm. you know. And then uh, so, fortunately, I slept on it. I phoned my girlfriend. So like fucking calm act discussion. She said, "Look, you know, just 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 stick it out." I said, "These fucking people, they're, they're terrible. Mm. You know, I, I I can't. I don't think I can handle this." Anyway, I slept on it, and then the next day I went into the office and and, uh, and they said, "Look, we want you to, to to write your thoughts and feelings down about your next three months. Mm. It will give you an idea how you how your mind works." Mm. And I, and I thought, well, okay, I'll do it. But I wrote about what happened, how it made me feel. And then, I, and I read over it, and I realized, I realized my thinking pattern. And over uh, three months, I realized that my my thinking was completely off off key as well. 
you know, how I thought about things, how our character assassinated everybody that I met. Yeah. Through going through the adversity of actually being there, I learned so much about myself. You know, for the first time in my life, I learned tolerance because I never suffered fools gladly. Yeah. But instead of re 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 resorting to violence, yeah. I then learned to articulate a response and told that person how he made me feel listening to him. Yeah, okay. So for the first time in your life. Yeah, because normally, okay. you know, because you, you sign a compact when you go into this place and, yeah. you, and it's, it's, it's um, the whole compact is about non-violence, mm. you know, so, so I signed it and I did adhere to it. So that was the one lesson I learned that massively important. The re how I dealt with my ego, because I had a massive fucking ego. Yeah, you know, I was robbing and doing, living a life, you know, and I thought I was untouchable. touchable. Yeah. Um, so well, did, you, did people around you know that you were a dangerous man? You know what it was? I, I think, yeah, most people knew I was a dangerous person. Mm. But I, but inwardly, I, I I was a really nice guy. Yeah, it was it was it was you know what I did. I made myself into this monster because I thought that's what people wanted. Yeah, you know my first foray into criminality was about violence. Yeah, so I thought that's what they wanted. So yeah. I made myself into this fucking monster. Yeah, but inwardly, I I, was, I suffered from so many insecurities. Yeah, you know I was insecure. I, I felt unloved. I felt everything. Yeah. So I I then went out and and got as many women as I could. I yeah. had three or four different girlfriends. Yeah. I had loads of kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got kids of all different women, yeah. you know, and I was looking for something and I was, and I was grasping for it, but it just, this never happened. You know, I drank, I met loads of women, but it never fulfilled that, that, that something yeah. was missing. But the minute I spoke about it and I understood it, it just went, you know, I've been out, I've been out now. I've not had a drink now for 14 years. Yeah. I've not had a, had a cigarette for six. I don't, I don't mess around no more. Mm. And I don't, you know what I feel, I feel that. Have you, have you found peace? Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, in so many ways, you know, as I said, I, you know, ego was one of my biggest yeah. problems. And. But ego with cocaine is. Oh, it's even worse. It's even worse, yeah. But the way I dealt with that was, was I stopped going to the gym. I don't go now. Yeah. I, and so I was, I was like big Massive, guy. yeah. Um, and what I did, I started wearing different colored socks, like pink socks, orange socks, and, and shorts, yeah. and sandals. Yeah. So because everyone I met, was, they was afraid of me, because the way I, I came across, I was yeah. quite aggressive and everything else. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with one of the other guys, said, look, you're a really nice fucking guy, yeah. but you're so aggressive, and you're so, you're so out there, and you, yeah. you know, you're intimidating, right? Yeah. So I said, how can I make myself less intimidating? So I came up with the idea of, of wearing all these things. <laughs> and then and everyone I meet, I say, hello, brother, how you doing? Yeah. And then, and I said, what I thought was my biggest strength was my size and, and that hostility yeah. and everything else. I knew I, I finally realized it was my biggest weakness yeah. because people wouldn't tell me what I, what I was about. Yeah, they would help. They, you know, I was always yeah because that fear. Yeah. But the minute I started wearing these socks and everything else, the people were telling me they were talking to me and telling me about all the shit that I give them. Yeah, and and and, and in such a way that it was really honest. And mm. even though they were rapists, paedophiles, fucking and child killers and everything else, once I put that aside. The information that they were giving me was was actually was making me a better person. It's because mm. like, I started correcting all these little faults yeah. in me, you know. And the way I interact with people and the way I come across now is is you know it's probably a million times better than yeah. what I used to be. But it was only through going into this environment, as much as it's it's probably the worst environment I've ever been into. It only worked because of them people in it. Yeah, and that's, that's and bizarre. That's crazy. And that's, that's crazy. bizarre. I wrote about it now, and I do I do talks in schools. I, I lecture now at university. So, what's your what's your redemption, reformation? Yeah, for you, what's what's gone on to change Terry Ellis for being a criminal, a villain, a hard man, going to now being 
having your family back around you, lots of love, creating a really sh lovely business that you got with your daughter and your daughter's uh, other half. Tell, tell me about that side of you. Do you know what? I, I, I think I got to the stage of my life, you know, I, I don't think um, I learned anything through prison and rehabilitation. You know, that doesn't work inside prison. It's, it's a fallacy. Yeah. However, as I got older and the work I'd done in Grendon on myself, I realized that once I got rid of all the, the shit in my life on my head, once I got rid of the alcohol, the booze and everything else, because mm. um, that comes at a price, mm. you know, just, just to have alcohol in your life, drugs, yeah. everything else, it comes at a massive price. So you, you, you can't get to buy a normal job, so you have to go at it. Yeah. So that, that was number one bit of ingredient. Yeah. I then became a born again Christian. Not for the sake that I'm quite a religious person. I wanted to give myself an opportunity to actually be reborn again, yeah. and then promise myself that, that if, if I don't, if I, if I then go and commit a crime after this, then then I fucked it. So yeah. I wanted to set my, give myself the best opportunity to surround myself with really good people, mm. and I and I felt the best people for that were Christian people. Yeah. So I, I became a Christian. I don't go to church every week, mm. but I do know some really good Christian guys. One is Michael Emmett. Yeah. One is. Um, is Chris Lambiano, very, mm. very spiritual guys. And I speak to them occasionally. Yeah. I speak to them about about staying on the right track. So yeah. that was that was uh, a number two ingredient. Mm. Um, embarrassment of, of ever getting nicked again. Yeah. Um, well, on my kids, but also starting a business up with uh, my daughter called uh, Scoff Mills. Uh, we do nutritious food. It's called Scoff Mills. Scoff Mills. Yeah. Dot com. Yes, yeah, it's, it's www. Dot Scoff Mills. Um, we're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, we started a business about three and a half years ago, or they did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, with my skill set, I then went in with them, and now we employ roughly up to twenty people now. You know, in the last three years, we've yeah. gone from strength to strength to strength. Yeah. Um, we do nutritious food, uh, food for, for for people that want to change their their food habits, yeah. their you know their eating habits, want to eat healthily. Mm. Uh, it's all calorie controls, all macros, and everything else. Yeah. Uh, we do lots of celebrities. And and we 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 got a, a a real good clientele that we that we uh, that we service yeah. now. So I'm really pleased. So that that's another ingredient. Yeah. I also helped start a, um, a company up in Birmingham called Let's Sanify. Uh, well, where we do um, um, chemical free disinfectants and and uh, chemical uh, alcohol free uh, sanitizers. But we also, as part of my reformation, the deal I did was not to take any money out of it. Yeah. Was to actually do um manufacturing classes for young kids in the area mm. so that was my bit mm. um and then i i started a knife crime uh, group uh, with a pal called my pal of mine called uh, ben span yeah um called change your life put down your knife um and i've been doing that now we've got twenty thousand members wow um i do talks on on knife crime yeah um i do lectures uh in universities i've wrote i've wrote 10 books now you've written 10 books yeah i wrote wow. 10, i wrote verizon I wrote Living Amongst the Beasts. I wrote The Final Countdown. I wrote a couple of kids' books now, which yeah. I donated to charity. This has been fascinating, this whole podcast. I really thank you for your honesty. Oh, cheers, brother. Yeah, like a real honest conversation. And I'm really happy that you found peace. I found, I found it. And I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm elated, brother. Yeah. I'm, I'm thank you for everything. Thank you for coming in. Thank cheers, you. Terry. Cheers.